1: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, which is part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson in DC, and today my guests are the comedy duo Frangela. Frances Collier and Angela Shelton are real life best friends, and they met and honed their skills at the world famous Second City Theater. They host the Final Word podcast, and they're on the Stephanie Miller podcast every Friday. I absolutely adore them, and so will you. Um, I promise you will. They're just so much fun, they're so energetic. But, oh, my God, you guys, last night we saw another blue wave, another one. K- Kentucky got a new Democratic governor, and the Virginia Senate flipped. Also, that woman, cyclist, who flipped off Trump's motorcade in 2017, she re- defeated a Republican and won a seat on a local county board. But I think the news that has me most thrilled is Virginia. And I, I'm doing an end another thing today. Just me... Um, and I'm going to talk about the fact that, that there is now a clear path to the Equal Rights Amendment. And in the end, another thing segment, I'm just kind of going to go over um, what I've gone through, my experiences, um, meeting Alyssa Milano, and my my great friend Madison Kimry, who at, when I met her, she was 12. She um, she's written about the Equal Rights Amendment. So all these people that I've met along the way, and and what we've done in order to um, push push it forward. And I and, you know, one of the things that I always like to remind people is Alice Paul, who wrote the Equal Rights Amendment, said that everybody who does anything like any work on the Equal Rights Amendment is part of that mosaic. And so I'm part of it. And anybody who's shared a meme or an article on the Equal Rights Amendment on social media, you're part of that mosaic. So I want to you know, I'm just going to do a little segment by myself just talking about my journey so far. And obviously it's not over. We haven't passed it yet. And once we do pass it, there's going to be a legal battle and there's going to have to be, um, basically it's going to go to 2020 because everybody has to make sure to vote in 2020 so that we can get a democratic Congress, keep the house, take the Senate. And that Senate will likely either put another extension on the expired deadline, because I think they already put two on, or they just remove it altogether. But I know that there's going to be states that are going to be fighting the fact that in the seventies, they ratified it and they don't want to ratify it now because of course there's misogynists and patriarchy and all that shit. So there's still a battle in front of us, but this is, this, this is huge. When I, when I found out about the equal rights amendment, that it hadn't been ratified in 2012, there were three States left. Now there's one and eventually there's going to be none. And then it's just going to be about the battle. And I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, let's see, what else, what else, what else? Oh, of course, you know what? Start Me Up is listener supported. I do not have corporate funding. I do not run ads. I just depend on you, the listeners. So I'm asking you to sign up for any dollar amount. And if you do, what happens is each show gets delivered into your email box. I usually, I always do one show a week, and often I do bonus shows. Yesterday, I did a great, fantastic show with Greg Oliar, if you haven't heard it, you're going to want to hear it because it's really fun. Plus, he does a, a Bernie Sanders impression that you can't miss. Um, I should have done my Bernie Sanders impression, but I didn't. So, I did speak with Greg after the show, and we said that um, maybe the next show we do will just be impressions because I do Elizabeth Warren, um, and then I do Steve Schmidt, who I said, you know, I told I told everybody yesterday that Steve Schmidt has a, has agreed to be on the show. So now it's just a matter of you know, all the emails back and forth about scheduling, and hopefully we can figure that out quickly. But I can also do Chris Matthews over there on Tuesday. But anyway, so um, let's see what else, what else. Uh, Sign up for $1 or $2 a month, and basically that means you're getting me a couple of lattes for all the hard work I do. If you sign up for $5 a month, you get at least two and another thing segments uh, per month. And I often do that with a co-host, but today I'm just doing, I'm flying solo because I'm so excited and I just want to talk about the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, (laughs) Take a listen to some of the shows. If you visit patreon.com slash up. You can you know, read about what I do, and I've listed a bunch of my fun interviews. Sometimes I interview actors, sometimes I, I, I talk to um, political people, sometimes I talk to people who are running for office, I spoke to a woman who was running to be a judge in, in uh, Pennsylvania. So I talked to all kinds of really cool, interesting people and just check it out. Become a Patriot, a patron at patreon.com slash start me up. Also, we are an iTunes stitcher and wherever podcasts can be found. So I did notice that someone, um, yesterday gave me a five-star rating. Thank you. I need reviews. I need you to go to iTunes and it's for free. You just become a subscriber. I need subscribers and I need good reviews and good ratings. So that would really help. And as always, thank you to all of my patrons. Thank you for helping to make this show possible. I freaking love doing it. And now I'm going to be talking to Frangela. Welcome, Frangela. Hi. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you guys on the show. You don't even know, especially today. It's so cool.
2: It's a great day, man. Nothing Uh, like waking up to blue
1: waves. Yes, yes. And, you know, I was, like, freaking out. Yesterday I interviewed Greg Oliar, and um, he did actually bring my spirits up because he does think that the Democrats are going to win and Trump is going to lose and all of that. But, you know, I was just coming off of that poll that uh, was that state poll that didn't look good. And I know it's a year out, and I know that I shouldn't be worried and concerned, but I am.
0: Had an impeachment uh hearing yet
1: either? <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that's what he told me, and and then Adam Schiff just said today that the impeachment hearings are going to be public next week.
2: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know, but, oh, but you're gonna miss those backdoor days. Oh, are <laughs> be for a bunker. Where's oh, the like, <laughs> This needs to be Watch, this okay. needs to be secret. These earrings <laughs> should not be in the public.
1: They Watch. Should be Watch. <laughs> oh my God. All right, so this is what I want to do. I want to talk to you guys a little bit because obviously some of my listeners are not going to know who you are. They don't all listen to Stephanie Miller. Um, so, and obviously you have your own thing and that's what we're going to talk about. Um, so I want to, I want everybody to know who you are. So tell, you know, each of you, say your name.
0: I'm Frances Callier, and this is my very best friend. And I'm Angela V. Shelton and of so, the Detroit Shelton.
1: <laughs> and so obviously that's how you came to Frangela.
2: Yes, because we we are best friends. We're always pretty much always together. And people really came out of people they can never tell us apart. For some people, I'm a foot taller. you not than quite her. a
0: foot. Not quite a foot.
2: I mean, it's like 11 and a half inches. It's like, <laughs> <it's laughs> like, like, like really. <laughs> Uh, so they would go Angie Fran Angie Fran and finally one guy one day a guy was just like Frangela and we just like okay let's just do that
1: yeah Frangela totally works so okay you say you're best friends and did you meet at Second City so tell us about how you met
0: We met at Second City. Actually, Angela had moved into a building that was a couple of blocks down from Second City that I lived into. It was Mm -hmm. like a a lot of people from the theater, you know, lived there at one time or something. And we met on the stairs going, I was leaving and she was coming home and she was like, you want to go see a movie one day? And I was like, (laughs) yeah, girl. And we went to the movies and the movie came on and we started talking, never shut up.
1: (laughs) That is so cool. What year was that?
0: Ooh, Ooh,
2: back in oh uh, 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 the 1900s. <laughs> that
0: 90, 90, 90, was 97, 96, 97, 97 somewhere in
2: there.
1: Wow, wow, that's so cool. You guys have been friends forever. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I, I gotta give it to you. I mean, I've had some best friends that unfortunately didn't last. So the fact, I mean I, I still have people in my life that I've known since I was in high school, but that's really impressive and especially that you guys work together.
2: Yeah. okay. Yeah. We have part of attorney over each other. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do, okay, do you ever fight?
2: Uh, we definitely disagree. We disagree yeah. all the time. Yeah, we probably will right after this. Con- yeah, <laughs> but I think that there's a difference between arguing and disagreeing. And yes, here's the
0: thing. we actually laugh when we disagree. <laughs> right, and you know we find it fascinating why one has this opinion and the other has another. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know when you have a partnership. The, the goal is not to prove yourself right or prove them wrong you know mm-hmm. it's to agree yeah because actually it does if we like it does no good if i'm like see i was right
2: and yeah. we and we lost something yeah like i lost something too like it doesn't <laughs>
0: you right. know so it's we're have we're a common good here
2: yeah but on top of that i think it's just about recognizing that that um and we're actually writing a book on friendship really for this very reason because i think a lot of we've been in the, the environment we're in right now um, is very obviously polarized, yeah civil war, if you will. And I feel like what once we've, we have strategies that went for dealing with problems and we employ them so that we don't have yeah. a problem that ever hurts our relationship
1: wow, that's really great. You know, it's funny because, you know, Bob Suska is my boyfriend. And um, in 2016, I was like a full-on Bernie supporter. And he wasn't. He didn't hate Bernie. And he wasn't like, he wasn't necessarily rah-rah Hillary. But um, he was more analytical. And he would report on the election from that, you know, that point of view where I was coming from an emotional point of view. And I would take it personally if he said something about Bernie that I didn't like. And, I mean, we definitely... It never, like, interfered with our relationship. It didn't hurt our relationship. But I certainly gave him what for. You know what I mean? It's like, I was... I yeah. was just like, hey, don't you beat on my Bernie, which I don't even like Bernie anymore, but whatever. And so actually, Bob did help me to realize the importance of coming at it from an analytical angle as opposed to an emotional one, because obviously politics are emotional. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, he did teach. Me. I am very interested in reading your book, though, because um, that is a great it, 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 it's wonderful to be able to have a tool to employ. For when, yeah, for when you're like disagreeing so that you can keep it civil and you don't turn it into this nasty personal attack. That's, that's so cool. We
2: definitely have gotten tight. You know, had, we call it that when your chest gets tight. You know, you yeah. definitely had had some moments. And and you, what you do is you stop and you go, okay, real real quick. Let's let's back up of all this ego. Yeah. Let's yeah. back up of all this emotion. Yeah. And remember, I love you, right. and you love me, and that and there are going to be times in life when you are wrong and I am right, or when and, I'm right and she's wrong. <laughs> not, not as often, but you that know? could happen. <laughs> not, you know, you let a person believe. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, of home. And we find that if you, if the humor is a huge tool for that, yeah. and, and you know, it is tense, people feel very strongly about their candidate, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah,
2: um, but at the end of the day, all of us want this mofo out that White House. <laughs> and so that, that's really got it. We have to always come back to that. To the, to yes. Common good, everybody. Get them out. <laughs> okay, so are you
1: guys always really this happy and chipper and upbeat? because you're like a happy drug that I want to inject into my veins? <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs>
2: Generally speaking, yeah, yes. Is, I mean, even, it, even when we're not happy, we're happy. Yeah. Like, in fact, when, like, remember, like. We're funnier when we're not happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, <laughs> that's why we keep getting these horrible. <laughs> oh my God. All these pilots we've done that are like, Frangela goes to the worst place ever. Frangela, you know. It, 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 I, it's like something about watching us suffer is fun for people. I mean. And it's clearly, <laughs> but That's the thing is, we always joke that, like, if we were, like, kidnapped by some horrible group and they were about to, you know behead us we'd be laughing because we'd be like can you, can can you believe this? i don't believe can you believe this and i would be like i can't believe you guys are going to behead us you couldn't have picked two worse americans nobody's gonna care nobody
0: cares."
1: Nobody. So, oh my god okay let me ask you this um first of all when did you guys start doing comedy
0: i started in high school that's francis uh-huh. i started in high school at second city i started taking classes because i had an english teacher tell me that I was funny and that I should pursue this. Do it other three. places. Do it other places. <laughs> <laughs> he put me in every play and everything. But he was like, you know, you really should go and get some outside instruction. And I really do believe it was like Do the comedy not here. Not here. Yeah. Girl, you need an outlet. Yep. And I never left wow. for a very long time.
2: Yeah. Yes. And I um I, don't know, I didn't start in comedy until Second City opened up a, a theater in Detroit, mm-hmm. um, and that if it hadn't been for that, I probably wouldn't be an actor, and I wouldn't. Um, I went to that audition, and went through that process, and that's how I got into Second City. I'd always known what Second City was, because in Detroit we had Canadian TV, so I was able to watch SCTV growing up. Right. And I knew, about, you know, their relationship, how you know, so many people from Second City went to Saturday Night Live, which I loved. Mm-hmm. I always loved mm-hmm. comedy and humor, but for me, it was always about there is no better feeling than making somebody laugh, especially mm-hmm. at a moment when they think they can't like yeah. that when you're looking at somebody and you have to be careful with it. Cause there are times when it's simply inappropriate, mm-hmm. right? You know? <laughs> but, but like at a moment when somebody feels really low and like nothing will ever work out. If you can get that person to laugh, it is like crack. Yeah. Like it's, yeah the best payment in the world. It feels mm-hmm. so good. Um, so I think for me, I grew up trying, you know, my mom's single mom and worked really hard and she'd come home from a hard day of work and I just wanted her to laugh. Yeah. You know, so I spent a lot of time thinking about how to make things funny and, and, um, and, and, practicing in my, you know, like I mm-hmm. say all the time, like I'm not, I don't actually think I'm, I'm not a witty person. I'm just really prepared. Hmm. <laughs> you know like I think about it a lot so. That's so
1: that's a perfect way to describe it you know I used to be an actor and my acting coach actually told me that I should do stand-up comedy and it's like I'm kind of the reverse I'm witty but I if I try to be funny if I've mm-hmm. written it down and then I try to execute it I am terrible I'm mm-hmm. so boring and dull you just can't even believe it so it's like You know what?
0: That's the top, Kimberly. That's the top layer. You know what I mean? You got to get through that feeling. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Way through.
2: I, you know, you're
1: funny. <laughs> well, I have my moments, um, but yeah. I, I can't even imagine that lifestyle though, of like doing stand up because I'm kind of like this homebody. I love my home experience and I love being home at night, and so it's like just the idea of going and staying at comedy clubs all night never really appealed to me. But I always, I always enjoyed <laughs> like when I was in my acting class, the humor scared the shit out of me. For, well, at least until I just had to throw down and. Right the casting director from third rock from the sun came in and I thought, Oh my God. And it was so funny because I was paired. Basically it was my acting studio and what we did, it was called the professional level and we would have agents and casting directors come in and then they would give us copy. That was like two or three pages and we would be paired up with another actor and we'd have about 15 minutes and then we come in and just like a regular audition and then you would just audition for them. And then if they thought you were good, uh, supposedly, they would. They say they always remembered talent, and they're so full of shit. But anyway, um, they. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they would call you in for auditions. So, I got paired with this guy, and he was not very good. And I knew that he wasn't very good. Plus, he didn't have great comic timing. And so, we got our we got our copy, and. We, we did it once and there was this part of the copy and I don't even remember how it went, but he fucked it up. And I, and I, I was like, Dah. and, and so he, after we finished, I'm like, okay. And I wanted to like kind of go over that. And he goes, no, I just want to go off and read it alone now. And Ooh. so we didn't have the opportunity to like keep reading it over and over again and get used to it together. So, yeah. you know, here I'm thinking, all right, I'm, I'm meeting this person, this woman who was, casting like my favorite show at the time with Kristen Johnston, who, by the way, who's been on on this podcast, but, um, you know, and she's also a six foot tall blonde and I was just dying to be on that show. And so I thought, this is it. I've just, I got to get over myself and just Mm -hmm. go for it. So I, I, you know, we go up in front of her and we get to the part of the copy where he he fucks it up again in front of her. But (laughs) because I anticipated it, I saved the day and I heard the casting director laugh out loud. And oh. she told, yeah, it was great. She told me, she's like, you're a fantastic. And then she did. She called me in straight to the producers for an audition, except for it was two parts. And I knew I wouldn't get either one. I knew an old lady would get it and a younger girl would get it. And that's exactly what happened. And then I never heard from them again. And that's the way. That's the way Hollywood works sometimes.
2: Yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot. All the time, every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I'm going to tell you, I had this kind of, this is Angela. I had to, not that there were that many commercial auditions to go to anymore, but I've had to, to ask myself, maybe I shouldn't go on these because my attitude has become so poor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a bitch. You know what I mean? Like, I'll stand there like okay, so for this, you know, they go into all that in depth stuff for these commercials where you have no lines. Yeah. You know? They're like, you're like, you're thinking this or that. And I stand there, I'm like, you know what I'm thinking? That this is really boring. <laughs> that I want this tide to turn just so badly, I would kill That's what I'm thinking. Like, I just have a problem now. It's hard. Like yeah. It is definitely, it is an industry where you have to get beyond, like you have to set different metrics for what is success, number yeah. one. Yeah. Because if you think success is you are walking red carpets, you have awards, and then that that's very that's you know that's a very small group of people yeah, yeah if for me success would be I don't have to go get another job I hate
0: right uh,
2: <laughs> like that. That is that's where I'm at now. Like, you know, fuck the new couch. I just don't want to have to work the bottle counter at the fucking <laughs> quarter market ever again. That's
1: it. Oh, no kidding. No kidding. That 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 is everything. You're absolutely right. It is it is about doing being able to do what you love. And then if you can if you can pay for your life doing it, then you are a success.
2: That's yeah. right. And even if you know there're going to be times yeah. You know, you got to ask some people for some help here and there, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, um, but I think that we're really, we're very privileged, you yeah. know, um, and blessed, lucky, whatever your languaging is. We work really hard. Yeah. All of the stuff you do, like people don't even know how much work right. sometimes it takes um to to do the work that we do but and and how much of it like i had a friend who was like you guys were on everything two weeks ago and i was like none of that was paid yeah Yeah. on one of those
0: things yeah we were like six shows one day one day there were like five or six tv shows that that, we were on that we either were (laughs) on on camera for or producers and writers for on in a day and i was like we made no money money.
1: that's bullshit
0: So that's the thing. It's like you have
2: to. It's a very. It's very hard. I can imagine. Um,
1: Yeah. Now, do you guys? Okay. So you're women, and you're also doing political humor. So I can imagine that you're kind of angering the patriarchy. (laughs) So uh, have you? And I imagine you've encountered sexism.
2: Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes. One of my favorites. And I'm sure this happens to you all the time, also, Kimberly. Um, <laughs> is when the men tell they tell you what you think and why it's wrong at the same time. Yes. Yeah.
0: You get the you get the you get the explanation. You get the mansplaining. Yeah, and they tell you what you would think. Yeah, and they tell
2: you what. You were and it isn't what you were thinking, which is what's always so fascinating mm-hmm.
0: to me. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. And they go on and on yeah. and oh, on. Yeah, you're wrong and this and that. Oh, my favorite. My one of my favorites is the definition. Sometimes. Oh, right. When they oh, that I've been doing. One. Or like you know, like we we had a, literally a huge showrunner came to us because uh, he was basically auditioning to do showrunner show we were doing, and he you know, said, let me tell you a little something about, introduce you to a little something called
2: improvisation. Oh. Now, here's the thing. Frances, as we just mentioned earlier, she started improvising when yes. she was 15 years old. There is nothing, and I mean this, nothing in this world that anyone can tell Francis Kelly about improv. <laughs> there's not a game. There's not there's not an improv. Um, uh, you know, exercise. teacher exercise. She has done she's done improv to jazz without sound. <laughs> wow. There's nothing, and what was killing me is that this person didn't feel the need to learn anything about us before this meeting. Right. Now this person have a huge pilot on a huge network, right? And this is a big, this person's a big person in the industry, didn't feel the need to look us up at all, just decide we must be stand-ups, which means that we don't have any training. Right. So he's decided black stand-ups equals no acting training, no theatrical training, certainly they won't even know what improv is, so he goes on this big embarrassing speech where he's just digging it deeper. I mean, and he's digging like, don't, I know you're gonna be afraid. But you just make it up in front of people. Okay, don't get scared with me. Don't get scared. I'm gonna be there for you. And finally, Francis went. You know what? I'm gonna stop you. Um, <laughs> Good. We both come from Second City. Angela did. I did every stage, main stage at Second City. Yeah. Um, I'm the only person who has. She she was like, there's really nothing you can teach us about improv. This is what we know. <laughs> the one thing. The and one thing. Everything we know. else you can teach me. I'm, I'm, hey. I'm buddy in your hands. Hey, there's. Hey, I will be open. Not that. <laughs> yeah.
1: How did he react?
2: He was. He had this rage yeah. that came over him. He really, was embarrassed, he was embarrassed. He was and and really and I think that embarrassment turned into sort of an anger. And I know somebody got yelled at. Yeah, you, you know, what I mean? like I don't know who some it was, assistant. some assistant or somebody got yelled at. But at the end of the day, you were he was comfortable walking in there without any information, and yep. just deciding who we were. So it, you know, that's people. There's a lot of that. Like people tell us all that will tell me all the time that well, you know, you studied acting, and I'm like, actually, no, neither of us studied acting. Yeah. Uh, that's probably has a lot to do with why we don't always book some things. But, <laughs> but I was like, but I mean I'm not saying it was a good choice, but I actually studied I have a BA in history from Michigan. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> it's a sociology and business. And, and business, yeah. Wow. So, and then people go, oh. It's like, yeah, if you actually ask us, yeah, you might learn something. <laughs> like instead of so just deciding, you know, <sighs> who we are.
1: Wow. I mean, I I can't even freaking imagine being a black woman, being a black funny woman, being black funny woman who does political humor. I mean, I, I just can't even imagine how it must be because I mean, in my experiences, I mean, I was an actor for probably about a decade. And then I, you know, huge portion of that I wasn't even putting myself out there I wanted to learn my craft so I'd yeah. say for about two and a half years I was just stuck in the studio and I didn't want to audition because I I've you know obviously auditioning is not acting it's a, it's yes. a whole different thing so I wanted to learn you know the basics first and then and so as soon as I graduated my acting studio I I was um in the mall one day, I was working in the mall, and I was approached by two different people at two different times, and it turned out to be like the same office, right? But it was like, oh, because I'm six foot blonde, I'm 25, I'm pretty, I'm, you know, I'm the perfect candidate to go up to, you know, some vulnerable girl and say, you look like a movie star, which is basically what this man said, and then it was his female assistant. So, I wound up going, I wish I could remember his name, and I I might later, but I found out he was, he, he did what he did to me to many people, so he invited me, Anthony Logan, that was his name, it was Logan Films, and he was kind of known for doing this, so like he invited me to his office, and it was just the two of us, I guess his assistant or whatever was outside, but um, we sat in his office for like an hour and just had a nice chat. And he was so impressed with me because I was intelligent and articulate and blah, 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 blah. So he goes now, and he was letting me know how impressed he was with me, just so impressed. And so... Then he gives me the copy that I, I'm going to do a, an audition for him, which included a lap dance. <laughs> oh, and and we were alone. There was no movie that I was auditioning for. This was just like, here's some random copy where you're giving me a lap dance. And
2: that out the file without looking. At it. <laughs> exactly.
1: And I and I got like, I mean, I was so new to all of this. I was 25 years old, and I desperately wanted to be taken seriously but I couldn't do it. I just absolutely. So I, I, I said the words, but I didn't move my body or touch him or anything. And Mm -hmm. after the audition, he told me how disappointed he was in me. Oh, Oh, I was so impressed with you, Kimberly, but you were, you just allowed your fear to get in the way. I mean, what a fucking dick. Uh, And I found uh, out like, you know, on my Facebook page, which I fucking lost last year because Mark Zuckerberg is just wretched. Um, some man, <laughs> I had posted about this experience, and a, there was a man I was friends with who's like, "Yeah, Logan is known for that," and I was like, "Wow!" And I'm really glad it didn't turn into anything awful, but it was, yeah. it was one of my first experiences. Have,
2: you know, yeah. How many women didn't have the ability in that moment to not do what he yeah. wanted, which was him a free lap dance, right? Um, and or more, right? And I'm sure more, I'm sure, and that's the th- it's and, and that is assault. What he did do was assault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had to just hip somebody on. That's what I love when people challenge. Mm-hmm. And his, some guy was like calling because we were talking about another incident, and um, he was saying this person on Twitter was like, "That's not assault." He didn't even touch her. I was like, "Look up assault. You don't have to touch somebody right. to assault. Look yes. it up." You know. And then and he did. And he was like, "I'm sorry," which almost never happens. Right. <laughs> I was really shocked by that. I was like, "Yeah, well, no problem. Mm, thanks." <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it is. It's it is. People don't know how much of that. Like yeah. We don't even, I mean, they don't, we don't even talk about, like, yeah, me yeah, too. I mean, it feels ridiculous to bring up shit
0: from 15 years yeah, ago somewhere. Right. You, know? well, you know, being backstage and guys whipping their penises out. Yeah. Oh my God. comedy? You I mean, I've uh, I mean, turned around and men have been naked. I mean, really? absolute pigs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is part
2: of the reason we don't, we didn't do stand up and we don't do stand up in Los Angeles um, very often. We'll do it like occasional shows, usually like for charity or something because. It, it's gross. It's wow. it's the behavior of, of so many, not all obviously, but so many. Here's the thing: so there, where I really get angry is all of the men who were complacent about the harassment they knew was going on yes. from yes. their fellow comedians. So, like when when Cosby finally gets has to pay for his crimes, then we hear from all of our male com- com- comedian friends that they always knew that he was yes. Doing that. And I'm like, well, why didn't you come forward? Why didn't you stop him? Why didn't you go up to these women and say, look, we're going to go to the, like, what the fuck? Because he was powerful and they didn't, they didn't want to mess up. Nobody, nobody,
0: nobody messes with the alpha male in comedy. So they let it go on and on. I mean, I can tell you, like,
2: I don't even want to hear when people start, they're like trying to be, you know, bemoan Louis C.K. I'm like, we personally know five women he assaulted. So I don't want to hear
1: it. Yeah, (laughs) me neither. Fuck him.
2: Fuck him.
1: and i well, liked him i mean i know, loved cosby i i grew up watching that show
2: i really and you know what i really liked his stand-up and i really like what do you say but i'll never watch him again no no, no never
1: never again and i feel exact. i mean you know i i even wrote in an american woman i wrote a book and i kind of i used the cosby show to demonstrate how um you know the pop culture and, and because he was part of the pop culture. And here we had this show that, you know, it the, there were, it was a black family who was well off and, you know, no big deal that, that was, that was no big deal. And that you just grew up accepting, okay, you know, black people are wealthy. Black people are all different parts of our society. And I, thought that that was so wonderful because obviously we put so much stock into politics, but our pop culture helps to shape our politics. And that was kind of like the point that I wanted to make. And then like soon after I published the book, all this stuff comes out about him and I'm like, oh man, uh, I wish I didn't use that. But I still feel the same way because I still believe that regardless of his um, raping, um, you know, I believe that that show was so instrumental to oh, yeah. help yeah i mean it to like absolutely,
0: it was absolutely it's... influential on the culture oh, on american God. culture it yeah did a, a lot. i mean and it's
2: it and it's obviously not the worst part of the story isn't that we you know we have a fuller picture of what that cost yeah uh, but right it, it is it is i'm not there are people who can do it there are people who can separate the artist from I the can't. art. yeah i can't either
0: I can and some people can. You know yeah. what? It depends on. I think for me, it's time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it was, and if we're talking about Mozart or Beethoven, if somebody you know they, they, they been down long maybe enough they've been downloading. They've been right. You. yeah. yeah. Okay. They they good and dusty.
2: Yeah. You know, right.
0: what I'm saying maybe I can take a look at the music. Yeah, I can't listen on to Michael Jackson right now. No, exactly.
2: I
1: can't either. No way. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, um, and that's just you know I think and what what I say to other people is hey do you you right. know. You can do. Do you? I
1: can't. I can't do Woody Allen either. And I grew up also, oh, yeah, oh watching God. Woody Allen. And I loved, I love Danny Hall. And it's like it's so difficult for me now because when I, you know, I, I, I see the interview with Mia Farrow talking about the fact that she found pictures of her daughter with her legs spread open for him, and it's like, okay, that's it. I can't ever look at him again. I can't, I can't deal with him anymore. Yeah. yeah. It, you sure. know, and and I know that he's, you know, not everyone loves Woody Allen, but I, you know, I. Briefly, for nine months of my life, I lived in Russia, in Soviet Russia, in 1980, 81, and my, it's because my dad worked for ABC News. And when we lived over there, we had um, those Betamax uh, video machines, and people would send us movies and television shows because, obviously, Russian, Soviet Russian program went, programming wasn't good <laughs> <It's not laughs> uh, or funny. interesting or funny, <laughs> and I didn't speak the language. <laughs> So they would send us, you know, so we would get a lot of Woody Allen movies, and that's pretty much where I got to really get to know those, you know, him and his films, and I and I always appreciated them, but, uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, I'm just with you, I can't listen to Michael Jackson anymore, and I can't, I can't do it, and, and I had friends, and this is so sad, I... It was like in the 80s. Um, One of my best friends was a dancer and he was friendly with all these other dancers and they worked with and for Michael Jackson. And I can see them. I'm not really I keep up with my main friend, but the other friends that were like friends of his, I can see them online, even though we're not friendly. And they were all very protective of Michael because they knew him. And they want, they don't want to believe that their friend and the person who employed them and, and, and made their careers could be this person that, you know, these gentlemen said that he was, which I believe, I believe the victims. And so, yeah. uh, you know, it's pretty sad. That's just a sad, it's just sad, but it is what yeah. it is. And so it's like you said with Cosby, there was a cost to that show. And, um, I did love it. I loved that show. And I, if, if, I would still watch it in reruns if this didn't happen, but I can't anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah well, for, for us, I think one of the most perfect stand-up albums of all time is Cosby's himself. Yes. Yeah. I and I cannot play it. And if that's a thing, it breaks my
2: heart in this. I mean, obviously, I, that's not, like I said, like what breaks my heart is what he did to these women. Yeah. But uh, but, but that's a perfect album. Like that, that, that album... it's still funny today it will probably always be funny yeah the promise I can't ever it has its place in our culture and it's history and I I just can't play it yeah so you know it sucks it's just but I do think you know the thing that to remember is when people start to feel like you know you hear that argument like oh well we'll we'll lose so much I mean what if what is this if every man who's ever you know even like (laughs) yeah right And I was like, do you know how many artists and how much art and how much music you haven't heard because women have been raped out of it? Mm -hmm. They have been assaulted out of it. We all know people who quit pursuing the thing they wanted to pursue because some man harassed or or did worse to them. And so I was like, think about how many female Mozarts, how many many, um, Edwina Cosby's there were that we (laughs) never got to know, you know, because they got forced out by this, by that. And to me, that's the thing we should feel stolen from us what's been stolen from us is our autonomy and our safety and our ability to be successful and to create great art let's take it back and fuck them oh my god you know what you just
1: said is so profound and it really means something to me because when I was 31 I decided that I didn't want to pursue an acting career anymore and part of that reason was because Um, I, you know, I battled with acne. I talk about my body image issues a lot. I I suffer from body hatred and I've always been very difficult on myself with my weight. And, you know, so when I was younger and I was pursuing an acting career, I battled acne. And I was also just, I'm bigger than most people. I'm six feet tall and I have big bones. And so I was always different. And I know that casting directors would look at me and they didn't know what to do with me. I confused them. And I also didn't kiss their ass and play the game. So that worked against me as well. But when I was, you know, right at the end um, of, you know, my, I, like I said, I was doing it for about a decade. I did work on Days of Our Lives and I got a little bit of work, um, but I chose to leave. And, and, and I had just gone on birth control because uh, I, you know, there was a new birth control that supposedly helped clear up your acne, which it did. Um, But then I gained 15 pounds and there was nothing I could do to get rid of it unless I stopped taking the pill. And and I remember I had done this uh, audition for NYPD Blue, and it was at my acting studio. And I was I was just so spent. I was so burnt out on it. For and I I had gained weight, and I wasn't feeling good about myself. And the, I I did a shitty audition. And I know that the the. He was a casting director, had said something to my acting coach about, you know, oh, she's just, she's just a, a soap opera actress. Cause of course I had a soap opera on my resume and he just pegged me as a soap opera. Right. Cause I kind of, yeah. I, I did suck in that audition. Um, and I was a good actress, but in that particular instance, and I, I wasn't it. good. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was so devastated and I thought to myself, I can't lose weight. If I do lose weight, I'm going to have acne. And I just, I can't deal with this anymore. And I left. And I mean, yeah. I didn't want to do it anymore because I was, I was literally burned out and I got sick and tired of the bullshit games. But what you just said, as far as, you know, I mean, I wasn't raped out of it or anything like that. Um, but I felt so much weird. pressure.
2: Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, you were um, gendered out of it. You yeah. Were inter- what is the heterosexist gender norms of what it means to be an actress. Um, you're either fuckable or you're the
0: fuckable character. Exactly.
2: And if you can't play one of those roles stereotypically and in their mind, then then there's, then it is extremely demoralizing and hard. Um, (sighs) it doesn't matter how good you are. I mean, I have had, I've had people say to me, you, we wanted you to have the lead, but we needed the hero character to be darker complected. (sighs)
0: Um,
2: and, and, as much as I, I want darker complexed people to have parts and roles and all right. that, it's, it's, it's like these things that have, you have no control over.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, and you know, to be told that you're too old or you're too young or like, Oh, we'd love to use you. But you know, but the, the guy we're using is too, I've lost parts about my height also. And I'm not as tall as you are. I'm at five nine, but the minute they, I've told friends, the minute they ask my height, I know I'm not going to get it wow. because they're comparing you to whoever you have to be, the the real star of the show is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I can't be taller than that. Person, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the joke, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, and so that's, it, and,
0: if, and if it is the joke, then they're going go for who's, right. or or they, <laughs> they're going for some a woman who's six one. Right, right. Yes. Going for, for a lot taller. So there's just you know,
2: and as a woman, it, it's the the things that you get people feel like it's okay to say to you. uh It's pretty amazing. Yes.
1: You know? Oh hell yes. I had a overweight female casting director. Um, she, you know, I was wearing, I would take support hose and cut them at the thigh just to have like, you know, so that my waistline could just be a little bit slimmer. And because, you know, when you cut it, the end rolls up a little bit. So I was wearing pants and, and so I was sitting next to this woman casting director and she had put her hand on my leg. I like to emphasize something, but she felt the roll, Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: she looked at me and she was like, you know, you're going to have to lose like 20 pounds. And then she also, she also said to me that I, she, she held my, um, eight by 10 up facing me and she wrote sex kitten, or she said a sex kitten. I don't like it. And I mean, I've never been a sex kitten. My whole, I've never pushed myself that way. I don't look like one. I mean, I guess I could put the makeup on and, and do the, you know, uh, that whole sex kitten thing, but I've never done that. And it was just, she automatically looked at me as a blonde and as an attractive blonde. Um, and mm-hmm. she tells, she undermines my confidence, confidence. And, yeah. and then she basically puts me in this category that I'm really not even in because yeah. no one ever yeah. wanted to fucking hire me as a sex kitten. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs>
2: well, it's hard because, you know, if you're up against Tom Cruise, who's four, six, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, say, <laughs> they're never gonna. You're not in the running, right? Oh
1: my God, so uh, true. Oh my it's, God, uh,
2: it's, it's you know. There's all sorts of. It's just amazing to me. But you know, when you're in the waiting room, you I can look around and go, know yeah, who's who?" I would because they don't at a certain level of part. It, they don't really care if you're any good. That's just this. They have this picture in their head, and they're looking for somebody who's close to that picture. Yeah. So I can look in the room and go, "Yep, she looks like a flight attendant." You're right. getting it. And yes. outside <laughs> there is the bus driver. What <laughs> I am usually is dental receptionist <laughs> or security guard or police officer. I'm in that sort of area. Hey, like, I was a police officer.
1: Lady, <laughs> you're lunch like lead. nurse's
2: assistant. <laughs> nurse assistant. <laughs> not full nurse. No, <laughs> not, not <laughs> You know. Um, oh, wow. wow. So it's, 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 yeah, it's it is as frustrating as people who aren't in the industry might imagine yeah. and even yeah. worse at times. And then, we, you know, as pro- when we're producers, you're in the room for those conversations. Mm-hmm. And it, that is
0: just like a Talk amazing. about eye-opening. Eye-opening. And, you know, and watching people, you know, execs talk about, ne- I will never have her back. Oh, I don't like what she is wearing. Or, you know, she. this one no, is not like young person. enough. Yeah, I don't like this yeah. person's, you know. And then and have executives who
2: hired the person because they were young and cute then complain. The only reason they get hired is because they're young and cute. And I'm like, well, you you, you guess them. why they're here? Yeah. For you. Yeah. <laughs> like, and now you're pissed that they didn't perform well, but you didn't hire them to perform well. You hired them to. Then they did achieve Young and Cute. They came here, Young and right. Cute. They stayed Young and Cute the entire show. So I call that a win in terms of hiring <laughs> <that you were laughs> out of them. But suddenly they're a criminal or something. And
0: now they're supposed to. After that, they were supposed to be talented. Mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. you, didn't, you didn't check for talent first. <laughs>
2: like that's. I mean, so it's it's one of those things or like there's just cause there's, there'll be like, you know, there's one black person you get over two black people it becomes a black show. So we can't do that. <laughs> um, you know? So it's, it's just, it's all of that. You know, it's, wow. I go out on auditions sometimes that are for dubious ethnicity. They, they don't use dubious. I yeah. did that. Yeah. But they use like, like unclear ethnicity. Yeah.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah, you know, fun. That's, you could be anything. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, they like that category sometimes because then they can just be like, oh, it what I, you know, it fits everyone. But that's, it, it's, yeah, the whole system is pretty whack. So what you end up doing is what you did and what we did, which is you create your own yeah. gig.
1: Yeah. And that's exactly, you know, it's funny because when I did leave, I just went right into sales. And I figured, all right, I'm sick and tired of trying to be. I don't know, like trying to entertain or, or anything like that, and and so I went into sales for about a decade, and during that time, I came up with the idea um, to write a book collecting stories about people's first sexual experiences, and my mom collaborated on that with me. And in 2010, it's funny because I th- I left acting in 1999, and in 2009, I moved to Northern California because we had you know we had that terrible. economic disaster with Bush and I had been, you know, having, struggling so much having a sales job. It was really freaking hard. And so I thought, well, I'll just move up. My mom lived in Northern California and I thought I'm going to move up to Northern California and I'll, I'll move in with her and, you know, I'll get an acting job, I'll am an acting. i get a sales job and, you know, I'll just start my life anew up there. Well, as it turns out, you know, we started, we really got serious about the, it's called the Virgin Diaries and we published it ourselves. And then one thing led to another, which led to me writing on my, you know, I, then I was like pushing the book and I was mm-hmm. trying to get people to pay attention to the book and it was self-published. So that was really difficult as well. But, um part of the way that I tried to get noticed was I wanted to like poke Rush Limbaugh and I wanted him to pick on me like he picked on Sandra Fluke, And so I wrote an open letter to Rush Limbaugh uh, from a liberal slut on my personal blog. <laughs> and then, which I am a proud liberal slut, but I, it got picked up and, and being liberal, the Facebook page posted it. And that actually started my whole blogging. It's why I'm sitting here talking to you right now, because like one thing led to another. So I never, I mean, I actually did do a sales job briefly while I lived in Northern California, but it didn't work out. And that's a whole nother long story. But um, I was always really passionate about doing what I'm doing, writing. And now, you know, I met Bob and he had a podcast. And so I remember we were in um, back east in twenty, I think it was twenty sixteen, and he, you know, we were on a long drive, and he said, "Do you want to hear a podcast?" And I said, "Sure." So we listened to, you know, Mark Marin's WTF podcast, yeah. and I'm like, I. I can do this. I want to do this. And that's, you know, it just started from there. So you're absolutely right. It's like, okay, I didn't, and I'm really glad because I'm glad that I'm not in front of the camera. I'm glad I'm, do, I get to call all the shots. I don't have to really answer to anybody. And I, I, I prefer that. So I like where I'm at and I'm so grateful for the, I wish I would have gotten more in my um, acting career only so that it would have helped me do what I'm doing now. But right. outside of that, I, I'm so grateful for my experience and I get to talk to people like you. and. You guys, when I first saw you at the Sexy Liberals, it was—I like, think it was in San Francisco. Um, yeah. And, and I know this is dumb, but I don't care because you made me laugh so hard. You did that joke about white people loving ranch dressing. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> I, I I mean it's just it's silly, true. but it makes me laugh because it is so true.
2: It's <laughs> so true. love ranch I
0: mean, like it is y'all Valhalla. I like, love it. When we, when we
2: were saying we were like, if you want to calm a group of white people down, get a, get a dish of ranch. <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> we're talking about, like, when white people get mad and they were rioting and, like i would fill the fire because <laughs> <with ranch. laughs> yes. right. right. they'll dip anything <laughs> in it. Yes. it y'all don't care y'all don't care <laughs> and i get it everybody's got their thing but yeah it, it's true it's just an observation
1: but it's so it's, true it's like the white it's the white women loving the pumpkin spice and the, the oh crazy the crazy thing about it is i'm totally guilty of that but i really don't even like, I, I don't eat stuff so much with the pumpkin spice. I don't get the lattes and all. It's just the idea of it that I love because I love pumpkins and I love fall. And now that I'm on the East Coast, I used to live on, in Los Angeles. Like, now I really get to indulge. And um, it's just, it's so enjoyable. To, I love the whole pumpkin thing. The whole pumpkin theme. I love it all.
0: It's Me a, too. So you. do I. I love it. My kid loves it. I make pumpkin bread. Yum. We do all love it. She loves all that.
1: Okay, so now we gotta change gears. Let's go over to. Oh my God, last night. Last night was freaking awesome. Yeah. So awesome. <laughs>
0: Bashir.
2: <Yeah. laughs> oh, has nothing given in yet? Is he still trying to act like he might have won? <laughs> He's so pumped up. He's so pumped up. Like,
0: dude, you lost,
2: dude. You lost. I, mean,
1: you lost. I you know. Lost. <laughs> ha ha. I don't have that little uh. Bob so, always plays it on the show. Okay. I can't think of what it's, but that's what it is. It's like, haha,
2: yeah, and you I lost it. Yeah. <laughs> I, they were playing. I was listening to you know some podcast this morning. And they were playing Trump basically begging, mm. like when he came down there, Trump being like, "Look, you gotta vote for him. Right. Because if you don't, it's gonna look bad for me." And I was like, "It We are not." We are not on team solemn. We are on team, <laughs> team fuck yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me ask you guys your opinion about this. Cause I was wondering, and I'm just wondering what you have to think. So, okay. In Kentucky, obviously other Republicans won in Kentucky, but, um, the governor, the governor went to the Democrat, uh, the governor's seat. So, and that's a big freaking deal. Yeah. Now, I'm so curious about Mitch McConnell, right? So this was this was his state and he's polling, his his poll is his polling is very low. And so I, don't, you know, people are always wondering is is Trump going to resign? And I say, okay, Trump will never voluntari- voluntarily resign. I think it would be a decision made by Mitch McConnell and that he would approach Trump and say, all right, uh, you have to go and here's what you'll get. And if you don't do it, here's what we're going to do to you and basically humiliate him in front of everybody and then maybe promise him a pardon or something like that. Um, But the the idea is, and and the thing is, is I think that if Mitch McConnell feels personally threatened that he's going to lose his seat, perhaps he would unify his caucus to convict him in the Senate
0: well, and, I thought that this morning. That was my thought this morning, for sure. Yeah. Because if, if there's a time to stab Caesar in the back, it is now.
1: Yeah. But here's the here's the thing that I don't know. It was I think it was early 2017. Dallas Morning News came out with an article that like at least seven million dollars was um, of Russian money went into GOP campaigns. Yes. including Mitch McConnell. So my mm-hmm. question is, and, and I mean, I don't know, I don't know if anybody can answer this, but it's like, I, is it going to come down to um, Putin having control over McConnell and McConnell staying quiet? Or is this something that Trump is going to have to decide who scares him more, Putin or McConnell? Like,
2: One, It's pretty clear that, that Putin scares Trump more. I don't think that anybody's scared of McConnell. No. Um, and I also think that McConnell will quit um, if he, if he, and he has said this that he would resign, and I, I, and I believe he, if he gets even the slightest stench of I'm not going to win, he'll just quit, and he, you know, and he'll cut and run with all the money he's basically yeah. grifted from with the help of his um, unethical ass wife uh, out of the government. I mean, I don't know how you go into government public service was never supposed to make people rich. And yet there's mm-hmm. an alarming number of people going in as regular middle-class folk and coming out as multimillionaires, mm-hmm. um, which should tell us that there's a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, my feeling is that... What we have to do is I I am I am opposed to the polling on impeachment. Right. It is a these are crimes. You yeah. know what I mean? Like like I don't I don't believe that that's not how we do things. We don't wait for a good time to prosecute people unless of course they're white rich guys apparently. Uh, so I'm like so you know. With McConnell, he is the problem. Yeah, he is the problem. You know, but I think if we are all, if we vote, like I was just reading, how the county Fayetteville, I think, or F- yeah, Fayette County, which is where Trump held his rally last night, uh-huh. they voted for Andy Bashir over Matt Bevin in a two to one landslide. Wow. So his going there
0: <laughs> probably did the
2: opposite yes,
0: of what yes, they right. hoped. It, you know, it may it may galvanize his presence may galvanize some um, Republican voters, mm-hmm. but the blue wave is real. Mm-hmm. People are activated and are you know. And here's the thing: the, he has managed to push off enough of those rep- suburban Republican female voters. Mm-hmm. That
1: I believe that there is no coming back. Your mouth to God's ears. (laughs) I really, I I just hope so. You know, Bob and I went out to dinner a couple of months ago, and we live in a very suburban area. And it was at this Italian restaurant, and uh, there was like it was an empty room, and then a bunch of white women who looked very. Uh, suburban, right? Suburban white women sat in a booth right next to us. And so they had a couple of kids with them. And so, you know, Bob and I were just sitting there and I was kind of like half eavesdropping, not really, but then our, um, middle Eastern waiter, uh, started taking their order. So I could, I could hear what they were saying. And he had mentioned, you know, they got into this long conversation, a very friendly conversation. And so he was telling them, I think he was from Iran and he was saying that, um, I guess when he lived there, he wanted to run for office or something like that. And one of the women said, you should run for president. And then another one said, I'd vote for you. And I was like, oh, and I thought, oh my God, really? And then, um, and so, One of the other women said, you know, shh, shh, we we shouldn't be so loud about politics. And I just looked over at them and I said, I'm with you guys. And I put my thumb up and we were all like laughing because it was like I was I mean, I don't know if they were lifelong Democrats or not. But but you would have maybe assumed that they would have been Trump voters just because they look like the white suburban soccer moms that that, you know, are voting for Trump. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I really do.
2: I hope that this I I people say a lot of things they do and then they do a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But the to me is that they had to be whispering over in a booth like The Handmaid's Tale, trying to get away, <laughs> you know, afraid to talk about... To, to, to say something that would be perceived as anti-Trump. And yeah. I, I do know that,
2: you know, uh, the extremism of these bigots, the MAGA bigots, has, has definitely made a lot of people um, have to look up, and it's taken them three years, some of them, yeah. look up, oh, is this who really I want to be? Is yeah. this who I need to but But the, the problems of um, race and gender and all that in this country... It's, you know, people like my mom was a politician in Michigan and people were always telling her that they voted for her in cities where they wouldn't have been allowed to vote for her. Mm-hmm. And so what I came to realize is that people say that as it's kind of like saying, how, how, how are you today? Yeah. Um, so they go, I, I voted for you. And I'm like, there's no way you vote for her. She didn't run in this city. You couldn't have <laughs> voted for her. But they would just say it. And I think people right. say a lot of in the moment. But yeah. when they get, what do they do? Right. and. That's part of my issue, even with polling, and uh, you know, is that people, nobody's going to call. You cannot know one, not the deepest clans. But call Stephen Miller right now and ask him, will he only vote based on race? And he's going to say no. Mm-hmm. He's going to say no. I thought that would be yeah. wrong. Yeah. But but what happens? Who do they actually end up backing? Mm-hmm. Who do they actually believe? Who do they actually listen to more? Like, it's it's just that's the thing. I think that this Trump is a has been. Besides a living hell, mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for us all to look at ourselves and maybe some of the ways we lie to ourselves about mm-hmm. who we are and about what we really believe and about where we really are willing to put our our passion and our effort and, and ask ourselves, you know, what does, we're finally looking at what does white privilege mean? Yeah. What does it mean to be white? Not, you know, oh, poor black people or poor brown people. It's no, 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 no. Let's ask ourselves, are you ready as white people to give up whiteness? Mm-hmm. All right, because it's a big give. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you. Yeah, you know, hey, but I'm taking it if I, I get it, Hey, <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, and if you, and then I think that that's you know, I look at people like Felicity Huffman. and, yeah. Um, and they're they're liberals, and they're I love her and um her husband um, William H Macy. Yeah. They used to they do really cool stuff for like uh you know pro choice. Um, and and I looked at them and I was like they, a really good term for it was opportunity hoarding. Yeah. That when it came right down to it, no matter how liberal these people were, no matter how progressive they were, when it came down to it, they were not willing to have their child be judged fairly. Mm-hmm. They were okay. not willing to have their child be responsible for their child's work. Mm-hmm. They were willing to use their because all of these people have been white that I've seen too. there's no this is not an equal opportunity you know college scam. Yeah. Um, it was about money and and, and white privilege. And I and I look at this and I go. That's to me. That's where you, the buck stops. Yeah. Are you willing to let your child's SAT scores be what the fuck they are?
0: <laughs> are you willing to let that happen? No, and no, that's... no. Because because you don't see yourself as a, that child being a reflection of your mediocrity. Because mm-hmm. that was that that's media. Because that's what. Yeah. They're not going to deal with that. No. And if you wanted to care about SAT scores, the time was not
2: before that exactly. week. Exactly. But like like I look at that and I'm like, when it came down to it. This person had an opportunity to not to not game the system mm-hmm. and she did. Yeah. And well, she can't it's smart enough not to say because I love my children because we all love our children. Of you course. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But I look at this and I'm like that's the, that's why I can't wait for Aunt Becky to go to jail. That's going <laughs> Well,
1: I mean I think if you, if you really are loving your children and you want them to do well, then you have to teach them the value of hard work and the value yeah. of failure. You know, I mean if uh, you fail, yeah. I mean no, no, no. I, if, you, if you're
0: regular, Kimberly, that's what you teach your children. Yeah. But with rich and your Donald right. Trump, those people do not live by those rules. No,
1: it's a different set, set of rules.
0: No, and that's to me when
2: you—that's the thing I think is this is a, a moment for people who consider themselves liberal, who consider mm-hmm. themselves progressive or or woke, to really sit back and go, okay, but what what am I willing to do? Mm-hmm. What what. And do I coast on what, you know, when I'm in a room and we've seen, and I've seen a lot of people, you know, really take that on. And that feels, that has been, I wish it didn't happen this way, but that is a positive thing. I think about this experience of hell that it has caused us a lot of us, all of us to look at our relationship to each other right. and to this country and to democracy, our government. And it's shown us the holes in it. It has shown us the places where, I didn't realize how much of our government was based on people just deciding to, to agree, yes. you know. Yes. Um, I didn't realize that th- there weren't rules for all of this, mm-hmm. that I didn't know that we didn't, you know. And I'm like, well, we found the weak points. Mm-hmm. There are no rules. There are no laws. Right. Yeah, you know, and, and that's, we need to look at that, you know, um, and how it is that, you know, and, and I wish that we'd stop playing the same games, you know, if yeah. it's not a And why are you following it? I
1: definitely have looked. I mean, first it started because I got into, uh, you know, political writings focusing on sexism. And and so everything you said can also apply to sexism, but absolutely white privilege. In fact, the other day, I was kind of scolded by a white guy on my Facebook page going, Kimberly, will you stop talking about white privilege? It's class privilege. And it's like, oh, hell no. I had um, Tim Wise on, an anti-racism expert. and. he, nice. yeah, he's so good. And he, he did a whole thing. We were talking about white privilege specifically and specifically, and I had uh, sent him this link and I'm like, please listen to what he has to say. This guy's, a, this guy helped defeat um, uh, David Duke, you know, yeah. b- when he was running and I said, listen to what he has to say. And I've recognized, I didn't think about my white privilege until I heard the term until, yeah. I mean, obviously I understood that there there's racism in this country and you know I and I've said this before on my show but I, again I'll be quick I was fortunate enough just like Tim Wise to be in a situation where I was one of the only white kids in school primarily it was Hispanics and then there were Asian kids and it was several different kind, you know there was Japanese Chinese Korean there was all different kinds of Asian kids and then I would say the the black and the white kids were probably made up together about 10% of the population but the thing is, is that, and that was in Silver Lake, California, I, I never was discriminated against because of the color of my skin. I understood what it felt like to be one of the only white kids in school. But, <laughs> but you know, with the exception of one girl who was uh, Hispanic and she was in a gang, she pulled a knife on me because she was very, 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 very pretty. And, you know, I was like 12 years old and I was or I was like a, I was like 13 and I just—I remember thinking she was so pretty, and I would stare at her. I mean, I'm not gay, but I just thought she was beautiful, and—and and not that there's anything wrong with being gay. <laughs> but I mean, I would stare at her because I thought, wow, she's so pretty. And I guess she just got defensive about that and met me in the hall, and pulled a knife on me and told me to stop staring at her. And I felt so embarrassed. And okay. she, she didn't—she didn't hurt me or anything like that. But that was the worst.
2: Yeah, we don't do that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that, yeah. That was the worst experience that I ever had, but it wasn't based on the color of my skin. It was yeah, based like, on her just being yeah. defensive and wanting to play the tough girl and let me know who was boss. And so, um, you know... that's
2: a cool huh? issue there. We're not, we don't, um, at least growing up in Detroit, Frances will tell you, it took me a long time to shake this, you're not supposed to stare at people.
1: <laughs> yeah. and, I, yes, I uh, learned.
0: <laughs> yeah, and so I get, I... <laughs> After be like, what? Why why they looking at me? Why are they looking at me? Like, they they know who you are. No, and then they
2: they come over and be like, I really like you guys on Best Week Ever and I'd be like, Oh <laughs> I was about to just get in your face and be like, what you staring at? Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> but it's, it can be a hard habit to break, but I never pulled a knife. Right. Uh, well, yeah. I
1: mean, yeah, and she was literally a gang member. I mean, she was yeah. she was part of the Chola gang, which, you know, mm-hmm. when I went to that school, there were there was the stoners and the Cholos. And so um, it was kind of like the my school was the stoner gang and then you know there was the neighboring school that was the cholo gang and so but you know there were crossovers in each school so she was she was you know affiliated with that gang and um, I mean we were only 13 years old which is so sad but I mean I remember there was this one instance and I want to get back to politics in a second but there was this one instance when my girlfriends and I were walking home from school and the stoner gang I mean it was like the it was the junior high stoners um got into a fight with the Cholos. And so um, they met at this, I don't know, this kind of like, uh, I can't remember what it's called, a cul-de-sac. Like it was a cul-de-sac, but then at the end of the cul-de-sac, instead of a house, there were stairs that went up to Sunset Boulevard, and they were high, like going up a hill. And so we were kind of sitting on the top of those stairs, looking down at the fight. And one boy and I hate fights. I know. I my girlfriends wanted to watch it. I didn't want to watch it, but um, one boy brought out a board that had nails coming out of it and uh, started like whacking around. And I'm like, "That's it. I gotta go." And you know, and, and that was all I could take. But I mean, I did have an experience where, like I said, I was um, one of the only white people, but I have experienced white privilege in so many instances. Specifically, when I've been pulled over by police. And they're yeah. male. Um, and if I'm looking good, if you know, I'm. I, I was driving in Beverly Hills one day, breaking every rule, every rule. <laughs> I was speeding. I wasn't stopping for stop signs. There were kids around. I mean, I wasn't like driving like a demon, but I broke every law. And this handsome white cop pulled me over, and he told me that it was his birthday, and so huh? the he and so he was giving me a present, and he just let me go. Yeah. So I mean, I, that's because I was an attractive white woman, and period. That I mean, white yeah. women and white men get off. You know, my father was yeah. talking to me on his cell phone, and got pulled over. And I mean, I heard the whole thing happen. And the 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 white police officer. My father is uh, a veteran, was in Vietnam, and and he, and that's on his dr- on his license plate. So the cop was also a veteran and a white man, and let him go. So, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's like there there and that's one, one kind of privilege. There's, you know, there's that privilege of the color of band-aids and how many hair products are in, you know, like the, the amount of hair products that I can go into a grocery store. Um, yeah. And then when I see there's this teeny little, little patch <laughs> for black women.
2: Yeah. And there's so many, it's interesting how people, you know, like the. Did you see? Have you seen the video? It's on YouTube somewhere. The video of the black guy when they when they got a they got band aids that were actually skin tone with a, a range of skin tones. Oh no, I didn't. He got a band aid that's his color. He like he like almost cries. Like yeah. it's like the most amazing because it's it's stuff that you know. There's all that kind of stuff that I think that m- many of us don't think about. But then there's just the concept of like the thing that you can't put your finger on but you know that's what it is you know and and i will say that um during this period of time there was a time when i would come you know i maybe i would I'd had too many what they what we call microaggressions. Yeah. Um, I had a hard day on microaggressions, and I'd complain to a friend, um, a white friend about it. And they often would go, well, are you sure me? Maybe it was about something. Maybe it was about this. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'd have to go, okay, can I remind you the only person you know in this story is me?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: The other person is a complete stranger, number one. Why are you more willing to defend the complete yes. stranger? than you are me, and do I run around just calling things racist all the time? And they were like, uh, no. And I was like, so, why is it that, it just seems like this this natural reaction, like Mm -hmm. it can't Mm -hmm. always be that way, but it is. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you it's from things that people don't think about, from things that people do, it's like having, we were talking about this the other day somewhere, I worked at us uh, when I was working at Second City, Detroit. The people who were the owned the franchise, who are the family that the Ilitches, who own Little Caesars, they had hired this man. He was their director of ambiance, uh, which is a faggot's title. But he <laughs> called me, he called me into his office because my mother was very well known. She'd been running for office. But um, he called me to my office. I guess they wanted to know more about my family. But instead of just asking me, the first question he asked me was, "Do you know who your father is?" Oh my and, God! Yeah. Do you know who yours is? And he was like, "Yeah, I would. I don't understand what. Oh. <laughs> like, not like, what does your father do? How come right. he is in the campaign, or is he going to be in the campaign, or, or even? I mean, my, my parents got divorced. When I was a year old, so it's like, uh, the, to even ask about him is sort of seemed ridiculous to me. But they didn't. That was that's where he started it. Or like when we go on meetings and people ask Francis, she has a you know a daughter, a child. They always ask her, who's watching her." Oh. And I'm
0: always like, I left her
2: tied up on a tree. <laughs> <laughs> was, like, she left her with a bowl of kibble. What? And, then they, look, kibble. and then they go, oh, ha, ha And they go, no, really? Who's watching her? And like, oh they want God. to know. And so Fritz will go, her father. And they go, oh, is he, uh, is he, uh, and they stumble over what they want to find out if they're married. Right. It's a whole cool dance where you're like, dude. You asked us, you know, like, or they'll be like, do you guys have families? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, of course we have families. Like, people have families. I don't know if you're asking if I was an orphan or what you're asking. Or if you're asking if I'm married. That's what yeah. they're asking. They, they want to, you know, and then they're impressed. They go, oh, how does your husband feel about it? And then we get into the sexism of right. it. Which is yeah. we get into the misandwar of it. And we get into the straight up sexism where I go, I know for a fact that Tom, her husband, or aunt, when men go in, nobody asks them who's watching their kids. hmm Nobody gives a, f- nobody asks them, what does your wife think about that? And they don't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's all around you. And it's from the, the assumptions people make to, and that they make sometimes very to their own shock mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, whoa. Like I had a boyfriend once who started crying after he we went to go, when he came home to see my, uh, I you know I went to Michigan and I lived in Michigan so he came home with me one weekend and met my mother and we we left and he started crying and I was like what is why are you crying and he's like you know I know that I knew your mom was a lawyer I know that his pe- his father was a lawyer he's like and I guess I just somehow assumed your that he's like what I'm realizing is my own prejudice and what mm-hmm. I think I I assumed that a the black family in detroit that I was going to walk into a certain experience and I didn't expect to walk into he's like your house is nicer than ours hmm. and and you have nicer things in your house than my parents have in their house in South Dakota. And I was like, well, that's just because there's shitty stores in South Dakota. <laughs> 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 but like, you just need to, you know, this is pretty, people ordering everything from Wayfair. So <laughs> I was like, like, but I remember he had a real moment around it because he was yeah. like, I was like, yeah, you know I went, you know that I have a certain experience, and yet somehow you thought you were walking into, you know, good times? Like, yeah. and, like, so... I think that there are a lot of opportunities for us all to, for for Black people, it has been a, a joy and also sometimes painful mm-hmm. to in turn to get to deal with patrolling
0: each other's Blackness. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, in Blackness, you know, you. We're, we're not also, monolithic. We're mm-hmm. not monolithic, and we're also. I, what I'm been excited about is that black people have stopped shepherding white people to their wokeness and and lead letting white people get to those places and spaces on
2: their own. Oh my mm-hmm. god, I will and never see. facilitate another workshop. Not another, <laughs> brother, <can't>. not another <laughs> one as do long it. as I, I live. I can't do it anymore. I can't. <laughs> I used yeah, I used to facilitate diversity workshops and it's just it's I'm burnt out on it. I really wow. can't. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I mean I, I don't I don't call myself woke because I just feel like I don't wanna I don't wanna say that only because I just I all I wanna do all I want is for everyone to be considered equal. The color of your skin, your hair, your eyes shouldn't matter on any of it, your gender shouldn't matter. Uh, that doesn't mean I I'm I, I know I'm ignorant like what you just said to me. Like I had no idea that as a black woman as a black professional woman that you would walk into an office and be asked about, um, you know, do do you know your father? I mean, that just, I'm
2: not, I'm surprised, but I'm not. And it's, it is shocking. I'm glad it's shocking because then it wouldn't, then it would be too commonplace, yeah. but it is, it is, you know, these are the things that happen sometimes out of our view. So yeah. when I come out of that office and I tell people what's great now, it's not have people argue with me about it. Yeah. It's not have people go, well, maybe they meant, I'm like, no, right. oh, you know what the fuck you meant. <laughs> okay, you know what the fuck you meant. Let's not.
1: Yeah, so well, that- hopefully, I mean, I, I think the same, kind of the same thing that you were saying about, you know, um, exposing the cracks in our system. I think that Trump also did this with, obviously, with, you know, I mean, with white supremacy and all of that, but... I think he's he's emboldened white supremacists that were always there. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, just, just a couple of weeks ago, Bob and I were driving to Virginia, and we were on, I can't remember which highway we were on, but, I mean, he goes, look at that. And I look over, and there's this huge, and I mean huge, Confederate flag just waving. Ugh. And I just thought, how is this even possible? I mean, we, we went to Gettysburg, and... Granted, I mean you're at a Civil War site, right, so right. a lot of those like T-shirt shops and whatever would have the, the Confederate flag, and it would say heritage, uh, heritage, not hate. And, oh my
0: God, that's the worst. Yeah, it is worse. It's the worst saying. And yeah, and it's like Bob said. Bob said
1: something like Nazis have a heritage.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it kills me. There's so many things that kill me about it. Like when people talk about, I don't like Trump, but I like his economic policy. I right. like you know what you never hear people talk about when they talk about Nazis? Their economic policy. <laughs> you actually never hear anybody go, you know
0: what? Say what you want about that genocide. Their tax policy. <laughs> you oh. never hear that. And here's the point, and the point is, is that if you bake a cake with hate you still eating hate. Yeah. yeah. I don't care if you use butter or milk. Oh, no, I just, want this, I just, I just want, want this part. I just want this part. Yeah. You know what I mean? The yeah. hate is only... The hate concentrated on the left. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. And, don't, and all you of that baked in the cake. No, that's mm-hmm. how it works. Like, it's just... But I
2: am. I am... It is good to be able to have these conversations in a way that we haven't been able to have them, I think, successfully before. And... And I do feel like we will be, I do believe we will be better for this experience. And that not that, this was the only way to get better, but it's what happened.
1: Well, and, you, know, people, what, you know, people are motivated when they're uncomfortable, and, you know, I mean, I, I wish that people were different, but I wish people would stay motivated all the time. Obviously, GOP voters do, but they're an older group, you know, that most of those are, so many GOP voters are retired, and they're watching Fox News all day, and they get themselves all worked up, and then they run to the polls, whereas with Democrats, I mean, we're all scattered, and we all yell at each other, and we all disagree. We all want the same thing, but we fight about how to get there and but I agree with you I do think that this is you know uncomfortable situations open our eyes to some of our flaws and hopefully you know I mean I always want to be open to if I make if I say something that's offensive or if I be you know I mean I have embraced the patriarchy in ways that a I didn't realize, and as a as a feminist online, as I write and as I think about these things, I look back at my life and say, "Oh my god!" And and to this day, I embrace the patriarchy because I experience body hatred. And even though I'm, oh. I logically understand that I shouldn't hate my body and I shouldn't let patriarchy determine how I feel about myself, I'm 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 not yet able to overcome that. And, oh, because
2: you can't you can't intellectualize your feelings, you know. Yeah. You can't. We were all raised in the same culture, and the, the same culture that makes us all do that. So that we 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 do it to ourselves, and it does suck. I had a friend recently. He knew about a situation where a, a famous act got, actor assaulted me. Essentially, he he kissed me, uh, grabbed me. He kind of kid sort of kidnapped me and kissed me. Oh my god! And I always thought of it, and this is this is the thing when you realize how much you have taken this yes. in. Um, because I thought of it as this really freaky situation with this famous person and I, and I never allowed myself to look at it as an assault. And then yeah. this friend of man, um, white guy, he was telling a friend, Oh yeah. And this guy, you know, he assaulted Angela. And I was like, assault. And I went, Angela, you say assault, that is assault. Yeah. Like I, it's like, wow. Like I have so taken on, you know that we're all fighting it you know like I'm fighting it in myself I'm like allow yourself to pun to say what this person did mm-hmm. was wrong to you like I'm like wasn't that big a deal I mean he didn't like hurt me physically like, I didn't get bruised like, yeah
1: I wasn't you know? uh, that 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 exact thing happened to me earlier this year I told the story of this guy I went out with when I was like 20 years old he was 26 years old he was a police officer and we had after dinner we had gone up on Mulholland Drive in Los Angeles and we started making out which I wanted to to do I was kissing him and he wanted me I don't remember exactly how it all came about but he wanted me to give him a blowjob and I didn't and so as we were kissing I noticed movement and there he was jerking off right there in front of me and I I, I backed up and I was like oh, and, and he finished and then uh, all these years until I was on my podcast talking to my girlfriend she's like he assaulted you Right. And I was like, I, I kept like you said, I was writing it off like, oh, no, I wasn't hurt. I wasn't ri-. But oh, my God, he totally assaulted me. I've, I've always yeah. been under the impression that I wasn't assaulted, but I have been assaulted.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's and I think that that's true for for and, most of us. And I, many you know, of us have, and
0: you know, many women have had many of those moments. Yes. and then
2: just and, and I think that part of it is a self defense mechanism. It's easier to to not. You don't want to be the person who got. You don't want to yeah. be assaulted. You know and so it's easier. to go, Oh, you know that sort of. Okay, well, it was uncomfortable. Maybe he went a little far, but you know. <laughs> but what, that's
0: what, the, what you're really, women are really saying is that that didn't hurt me enough. Yeah. For right. me to, consider Myself hurt. But right. the thing is, so did. Like, well, by, what, by what metric are you measuring? Mm-hmm. That's just a
2: song. And if it was somebody, that's the thing that killed me. I was like, if I were telling a story about somebody else, I would absolutely use these terms. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. is it when it was me? I'm looking for every excuse in the book I can to not do that. Yeah, I mean, you that's know? the patriarchy. Thank you. And I, and I look at that and I, I go, and how many women did that person do that too? And they went ahead and just gave the blow job because they mm-hmm. just were like, you know, and it's like, it's, it's, it's those moments. It's like, that's what I'm saying. Like we're all, nobody is, the wokest person is still going home and figuring it out. Like mm-hmm. there, it's a destination, you know, it's not a destination. It's a journey. Yeah. And I, I am, I am heartened to see many people trying to make that journey and 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 trying to and literally we get letters from people all the time saying you know asking us you know about these issues and and we you know most of the time we're like look you know we are who we are we have our opinion you know but you got to figure this out for you mm-hmm. and do do the work you would do, you know. um, Like one of the things I've been challenging myself to do is read authors from other cultures. Hmm. And, I mean, like other countries, you know. And and um and and really like you know not be satisfied with this concept of Asian, which really in- incorporates like how many cultures? I mean, yeah. Not- yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's you know like like and and like really challenge you know because I'm like dude that it should be, I should be more aware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Of the world and of, of people in it, I shouldn't have such a hard time saying certain names, mm-hmm. you know, um and 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 act, and then giving up on it. Like it's just, you know, so I think we all have that work to do. And I and what I see around me is more and more people doing it. I mean, when you, there is nothing that has given me quite as much joy seeing a little white family, all of them wearing Black Lives Matter t-shirts. Yeah, and I was like, look at you. I love you. I love you white family. I love you, you know, and then all
0: the ranch dressing you want. Let me bring you some
1: ranch because you you deserve it. Oh my God. Um, (laughs) I want to ask, do you have a little bit more time? Yeah. Okay, good. I want to ask you um, before we, before we close, I want to ask you about the race and number one, do you have a favorite democratic candidate? And I do want to get into um, black voters, not, uh, embracing Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg and your thoughts on that. But before we get into that, I just want to hear like, do you guys have any favorites right now?
2: Yes. Yeah. We, <laughs> like, we like Elizabeth Warren. We like okay. Warren. Warren's had her hand in my pocket for my vote for a while. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Digging around in there. But I, and I do, I will say I really wish that, um, Kamala's campaign was doing better. Me
1: too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I want, I want to get to that because there's something I have specifically that I want to say about her. Yeah. Um, but do, why do you think Elizabeth Warren is having such a, diffi- a difficult time with black voters? Because black
0: people haven't been exposed to her. You know, yeah. everybody knows who they Joe Biden who Uncle Joe everybody is. Everybody knows mm-hmm. who Joe Biden is because everybody, you know, He's a vice president. Yeah. <laughs> and right. because of Barack Obama. Let's mm-hmm. be really, real, real. Yeah, he's yeah. about... He's he is right next to Barack Obama. Wow. So it's like, so. That's like being next to Jesus. Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, and I'll tell you something, black, like I think that especially older people, you know, that that I talked to my mother and she's 71 today actually. Oh. And she um she's she is a Biden, Biden girl at this uh-huh. moment. And you get to the point where my sister was like, don't even bring it up, don't even bring <laughs> it up. My sisters is we're all we're leaning. You know, we we told ourselves Francis and I told ourselves we would wait till and we be really open. and be open and really try to because they're you know and give everybody a chance except for of course for Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, but um, because like no no. uh But like <laughs> other than her, um, I think that Warren just she has a name. that she has the same problem they all have name recognition. Mm-hmm. Then I think also um I think that though that she translates and speaks better to the black community than Buttigieg does. And mm-hmm. also you know.
0: People are saying that with Warren, you know, she is actually her numbers with young black are very good, hmm. are very very good, and you know, but in, she's getting that kind of like in between place between Bernie. And
2: Biden. I think her problem is, as is always the problem, she's a woman, yeah. that's, right. that's the problem. And then mm-hmm. I was listening to, I think the Daily earlier this week, one of the shows was on, they did a, the New York Times did one of their biggest polls they've, I guess, ever done. And they basically found a way to allow people to express their sexism without directly saying it. Mm-hmm. So, and it was like 40% of the people were saying that they, you know, in this, and they pulled thousands, I forget how many, but um, 40% of them said that all of the women candidates were unlikable. <sighs>
0: I wonder what the thing they have in common is. I don't
2: know. They're candidates. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, um, <laughs> um, they
0: all watch the same hairdresser. It's the, the hair. hair. It's the,
2: the hair. hair. Yeah, although Tulsi does have the best hair. Yeah, she does. She does. But, course, uh, but she's like evil. I know. Yeah, she's but, crazy uh, evil. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't even know. But <clears throat> that's uh, to me. <laughs> That is a bigger problem for all of the women candidates but I think that when I went I think when Elizabeth Warren gets the opportunity to speak to people mm-hmm. then you see it happen especially mm-hmm. when she talks about a lot of because she talks about um she has talked about reparations Beto did the best job of it yeah. but he had- to get out but in talk about um you know i know we go to criminal justice which i have my feelings about why that is always Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but you know she has i mean i think that when people get the chance to hear but i think that she's struggling with you know not yeah not struggling but the same thing not not just not being well known enough yeah she's
1: just got to get out in front of more people
2: yeah and people feel safe with the old white guy Mm -hmm. who was the black
0: guy that they loved and i and i get that yeah Uh, Yeah, and she's got to, here's the thing, she's got to appeal to black people. And, you know, and the thing is, is that, you know, Joe, Joe Biden, uh, he already has it. He's got that.
1: Yeah, he's got it. He definitely does.
0: it, whether he's got or not it. he deserves, yeah, it.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with that because I don't know that he deserves it. But you know, interestingly, when I was talking to Greg Oliar yesterday, he is fully on board for uh, for Kamala. And you know, we went through each one of the candidates, and he was giving his opinions. He's very he's very critical, but he's very also positive. So even though he might be critical of somebody, he was not a jerk about it. And he right. he really made such a case for Kamala that I'm I mean. Elizabeth is my favorite candidate when it comes to domestic policy. Um, You know, she has been for the working people. Uh, So much of her, I I just, I love what she's done and how she's able to communicate it. But what she doesn't have and what Kamala has is, I mean, Kamala is a prosecutor. And, you know, we've seen her on the debate stage, just take a hold of that microphone, look into the camera and talk directly to Trump, which I absolutely love. And then, and the reason he chooses... Well, the reason he supports her over everybody else is because she would be willing to go after Trump once she's president. And, you know, usually presidents don't go after each other. Um, They're going to set a precedent. But at this point in the game, uh, the Republicans are going to go after us. They're going to make shit up if we didn't do anything wrong. They're going to try to impeach us. They're going to try to impeach the next Democratic president, no matter what they I mean, if it was Jesus they would try to yes. impreach jesus and um so kamala and and also greg Oliar didn't think that trump is going to debate but if he were to debate kamala oh
2: my god it would be so
0: good i've I've had this fantasy for a long time oh she would annihilate, sure, yes. she would annihilate him but the reality is is that I think that Elizabeth Warren is the president. We need to go forward. And, you know, we need somebody with stronger policies that is just not in and not concerned about being moderate Mm -hmm. um, to be able to lead us forward. And the problem is, is that we're, we're trying to fight fires at two different opposite ends. Well, and I think that, you know, we have to stop operating from, a, you can't
2: make good decisions when you're afraid. Yeah. Right. And I think that That's that right. operating from this place of trying, like we can predict or control what Republicans do. Like they're going to, here's a newsflash. They're going to be against whoever the Democrat is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you said, like if we somehow reanimated, um, you know, uh, uh, Ronald Reagan and made him a Democrat, they'd be like, he's awful. We've always hated him. Yeah, and he's like, a socialist. Just, yeah, it doesn't, that you can't, you can't, That can't be why we pick somebody. Unfortunately, I think the bigger issue we have beyond our candidate is the sanctity of the election. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Trying to steal it right now. Mm -hmm. Closing, closing voting. Um, you know, DMVs and closing voting polling stations all over the. They, they have gone after. They stole Stacey Abrams. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So, I mean, and they, as far as I'm concerned, the electoral court, they stole Hillary's election. Yes. So it's, can people, this false logic of we need more votes. She had more votes. Mm-hmm. That wasn't what did it. So the thing is, we have to protect our electorate in our election, get as many people out to vote. So many people out that they can't pull a, 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 a you know, a thing. If everybody goes out and votes, you can't. It's a lot and harder we, we, we <laughs> don't to We talk about hanging chads. You know, because it's <laughs> a lot harder to be like, oh, well, we just don't know. But, I mean, they invalidated most of Detroit's vote. It's like yeah. they did sorts of shit to still so th- to me. The biggest issue is that's the thing. That's why I love what Stacey Abrams has done with um, the fair fight yes. um, and um, trying to make sure because that I think is our issue number one issue number two is our candidate. And I think that for me, if if we if we get almost say it the way I feel, if we get stuck with Biden. hmm. I will be as enthusiastic as fuck. Frances knows Me I'm too. practicing. She's been practicing. <laughs> practicing my life. It was the so I was like, you know what, don't for don't for I am so excited he is the best candidate ever oh my goodness I wish I mean I think, the, I think the JFK is like wow I wish I had been Joe Biden <laughs> like I'm really because I was like we can't just support him we have to get people who don't normally vote to vote we have to get people who vote irregular yeah. and, and, vote. and to be excited and about so, him and, and then I go what's going to really help that for me is obviously a VP you know mm-hmm. uh, oh and yeah who I would really love, but I worry about, I would love to be supporting Kamala. I feel like her campaign is failing. I know. And um, she has not been able to answer questions that she knew were going to mm-hmm. come up, and that's a problem for me. Yeah. Um, and and also, we're not getting... See, there was the other day, my uh, a friend sent me this little video of her. She was someplace, and there were a group of little kids doing, like, a step show, yeah. and she's, like, in jeans and doing the step show with them. I'm like, where is that woman? Because that's the woman, like... Yeah. However, she's being advised. We're not getting to see the that part of her, yeah, and I that's I do think,
0: and that that absolutely, you know, because you, they you can, hear reach, it, people, you can yeah. reach people, yeah, people, you can hear it when she sits down one on one, or when yeah. she gets a. She gets the right kind of groove when somebody
2: says something
0: something wrong and she's like, you see
2: her head click over, right?" (laughs) you're like, oh, here comes comes, here she comes, here she she comes. And I think she could get that back, but I just feel like her campaign is, and I don't, her campaign is not being run well. No, I totally
1: agree. I I mean, I will say this. She was the first candidate to, and she wasn't even prompted. She was asked what would, you know, what would she do? And one of the first things she brought up was the Equal Rights Amendment, and I'm an Equal Rights Amendment activist, so... (laughs) I was like over the moon when I heard that and I don't hear it enough. I know Julián Castro brought was the first one to bring it up on the debate stage, but mm-hmm. um, you know, she was He's the one yeah. Um,
0: you know, people, you know, many people don't aren't aware that that is not ERA. It's people not that we, it. yeah. we have it. we <laughs> which is amazing to me. That I know. Is, you know, but and, and to your overall point, I was having lunch with a friend recently and and a male friend and I was saying, you know, I cannot believe that it was only 2017 where we began to have a conversation in this country about maybe women shouldn't be harassed at work. Maybe they should. Maybe, maybe so you're that's saying that, that it's inappropriate to have a woman come to your hotel
2: room for a meeting while you're in the shower? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff? <laughs>
0: that kind of stuff. But, but huh. we are just... At the, the, that's at the reality, where we're at. The reality is, is that, and not only that, but we are still in a place where a man who was accused of hanging out at malls mm-hmm. to pick up 14-year-old girls decided to try to run for... Candace. We ran them out in the first place. Mm-hmm. And people still try to come up and be like, "Well, he did wasn't so bad." Yeah, yeah. The female, the woman governor of this was Alabama, right? Yeah, yeah. What's
2: and his, and name? his wife. Yeah. I'll, so I mean, you know, we got, well, the president that. said you can grab at people's pussy. Exactly. Like, there, yeah. We, there is no bar, no. you know, anymore. I mean, we have made the gutter jealous for you know <laughs> the depths that we've gotten to.
0: So you know, there's a part of me that sits here and goes. At the real, the reality of it all is, is that we are just getting to this place of mm-hmm. having a discussion. And, and maybe you shouldn't be raped at work. That maybe you shouldn't <laughs> be raped. At work. Yeah. Maybe Matt Lauer, you shouldn't have a desk that has a lock on it. So yeah, you can lock the door because behind people. Door. Yeah, what's that about? What yeah. is that? Yeah. Who made that for you? Yeah. Well, and you then,
1: but it? then, as soon as fucking Me Too comes up, what do we hear? Bill Maher going, "Don't go too far with it." Which, okay, I have course, been, I was fan. a Bill Maher fan. For <laughs> for a very long time,
0: uh, I can't. Superhand, I don't think you can give uh, advice.
1: No, no. And it's like, okay, granted, he was using the example of Al Franken, but and as much as I hate what happened to Al Franken, I think it was seven women came out and said he did inappropriate things with him. And so it's like, well, you know what? I think, you know, he wanted an investigation and it didn't happen. I think there should have been an investigation. Um, But but this idea of men warning us to not go too far with me too makes me want to fucking punch them.
2: That's well, nice. dude, let's go. All the, I, I can't tell you how many times I've said this. They're like, "Well, what does that mean?" I go, well, "Maybe it means that for a couple generations, men don't get be, get to be in charge of shit, yeah. so y'all learn how to act." Because yeah. what? Because seriously, you seem to be having problems with it. So either we're against it or we're not against it. And if we're against it, this is why I don't. What's her name? Who just had to resign? Kristen. Katie. Uh, Katie, Katie Hill. Hill yeah. Katie Hill. What she you know, I know that she denies having a relationship with a staffer. So I don't know Mm -hmm. what happened with that. And I know that because she quit, I don't know if there, if an investigation, Mm -hmm. I think that they don't, they stopped that at that point. Right. So I know that that would have been the thing that broke the rules. Right. And I, in terms of this other relationship that you have with this woman and her nasty, ugly divorce, but here's the thing, if you did these things, I don't care if you're a woman or a man, they're wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we, We were recently on a show where we watched the producers of the show try to engage, try to get people like us to do be harassing to a male contestant who was very attractive and young and they wanted this producer was like, Go over there and like grab on him and try to get him to take his shirt off. And we were like, No (laughs) And she just looked at us really surprised. She's like, Well, it'll be really funny. I go, It's also called harassment. He's at his job, we're at our job. No. Wow, and and that's I mean. So my thing is, yeah. Do I did I like her politics? Yeah, but I don't know what happened there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. she quit, and it did. You know, and it doesn't look. I, I mean, personal, her family, personal marriage. I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. But. But you know, but you know, a but, if, issue, but a staffer
0: issue. It's like stop fucking people at work. Why is this yeah, so <laughs> difficult? <Because laughs> I'm tell you something, Why you? is this so difficult? Because everybody would lose their mind, Republican or, yeah. or Democrat. If if a man had brought home a female staffer, yeah, uh, well, man, know, yeah, you know, yeah, it's from
2: their from her campaign, from a campaign, yeah,
0: yeah. The people would lose their mind. They would just lose their mind. Well, but it's
2: just, and she's right about the sort of the the gender double standard of it. But the fact is that doesn't yeah. change some bad behavior looks like might have gone down here. So we have to be, I think that, you know, there are billions of people on this planet. Can you find one or two to hit on that you don't work e- exactly. with? Exactly. It's not, not that tough. Seriously. That's all I'm saying. Seriously. From nine to five, pretend everybody is somebody you would never be interested in sexually. <laughs> and just,
0: just pretend. <laughs> and if, if, if your love is so strong, then that, that's it. Then somebody's got to quit their job. Yeah. Just quit. Because it, it, seriously, it people deserve they deserve,
2: I remember we said this to a man, uh, I was talking about, it was on the a, a show, we are talking about like a, a, a teenage a situation where the teacher a student teacher had started a relationship, which I believe we actually call rape, mm-hmm. with, yeah. a high school, with a high school boy. I know he was underage. And um, and and in her class, but he was, you know, 16, 17, whatever, mm-hmm. that age where people go, oh, it's iffy, I go, actually it's not, the law's really clear. Yeah. Um, yeah. If it's twelve fifty, you know, if it's eleven fifty eight 58, before your birthday, you still a child. So <laughs> that's just how it works. But like, and I remember people saying, well, you know, and I'm like, it's not different cuz he's a boy. Boys yeah. deserve to go to school and not have to be worried about being hit yeah. that on right. too. You I, know what I mean? Young, like, young they, men,
0: young men have just as much, you know, they, they have need the to right develop, to develop. Yeah. You know, my, right now my daughter goes to an all-girls school and she was talking about yesterday, she was talking about, you know, all the other times when she went to school and they played basketball and girls weren't allowed to play basketball. Yeah. Girls you know, where, you know, if you, you didn't want to look jockish in front they of a woman, yeah, right? and they wouldn't let her play soccer. And they wouldn't let her play soccer and all of those things. And she was talking about yesterday, she talked playing basketball in eighth grade with all girls. And she said, and mom, it was good. It was competitive, hmm. and we were pushing each other, and we were calling each other's names. <laughs> okay, well, that's hard.
1: Okay, we, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as, as, as far as the um, boy thing, you know, maybe yeah. boys are a little bit more excited about having sex with somebody older, because it's different. I mean, I, I you know, collected stories from people about how they lost their virginity. And for the most part, the boys liked it more. And for obvious reasons, I mean, for girls, it's more painful. Physically, it's more painful, but it's oh, also...
2: There's on an entire culture and industry spent on telling you what's going to make your body feel pleasure. Yeah. Yes. That, yes. It's made very clear to boys from the day that they are born. Yes. You know, um, we are not encouraged to touch our areas or to know anything about them. Right.
1: But the, I think there's a, I think there's something, even though, younger boys, like 15, 16 year old boys would love to have sex with somebody who's in their 20s or something like that. It's still the idea of those boys aren't fully formed. uh, And it may not distress them and they're older, you know, when they get older and it may not be this thing, but it's still taking advantage of them when they really aren't capable of making up their minds about sexuality yet. And so it is taking advantage of them. It doesn't matter what their reaction is, it matters what the actions of the adult and it's like, you know, when it, when it comes to like, I lost my virginity, which I shouldn't say the word virginity, but whatever, because it is a stupid bullshit right. patriarchal concept. But I had sex for the first time when I was 16 and my boyfriend was 18 and it was totally consensual. And I think, I do think that there can be, I think I understand, like if I had a daughter and she was 16 and she had sex with a boy who was 18, I would not want to, I wouldn't consider him to be a rapist if she, you know, if
0: yeah, she. Yeah.
1: Even though that is legal when you're 18. But then when you're talking about um, like a man of 26 or 27, having sex with a girl who's 15. No, I don't care if she's willing, because I remember what it was like to be a teenager when you are just, you know, when you're starting to get breasts and and men are starting to look at you. There's this feeling of power you have. And, you know, after I had sex for the first time. Um, I looked at adult men like, hmm, you know, some of them were like, oh, look at him. And thankfully, none of them ever, you know, went for it. And I, I didn't throw myself at anybody or anything like that. But it's like,
2: yeah, if, you've been given this this new it's yeah, it well, is, you become sexually awakened and or aware.
1: It doesn't mean it, you're ready for it.
2: Yeah. And right. this is the thing, you know, and I call it, you know, aver- putting stuff, advertising stuff that you actually ain't ready to sell. Yeah. And But you don't know that because you're young. And yeah. I look back now at, when I see kids who are 7, 16, 17, 18, they look like babies. Mm-hmm. And I look back at pictures of myself and I was like, don't tell me, man, men, many men who hit on me, who were inappropriate, that you didn't know I was a child. You yeah. knew I was a child. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you knew. And, and this is the thing, we get groomed. You know, mm-hmm. you get groomed to to do things before you're ready, or to think that you're in charge in a situation where none of it was actually your idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's you know that's part of the that's the, and part of the unfortunate education we all get. And that's something I hope that we are I think that we, we are changing. Better.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: yeah. that what you know, that having men have to look at all of their behavior. And I'm like, okay, well what did you what do you think you're doing when you're on a date with a woman, you've driven forty miles from her home in your car, um, and you say you want to go to a hotel and she doesn't you know she doesn't wanna go. Why are you pushing it? Like mm-hmm. what do you you know what I mean? Like what you like it's it's being able to ask themselves questions for the first time mm-hmm. and and look at how what this idea that the way that sex happens is men try and you tell them how far they can go right mm-hmm. like that's really fucked up yeah so, but, that, but that's what we've been taught so we all have to deal with it we all have to acknowledge it and and try to and do better not just try do better so
1: if there is anything good from this whole wretched nightmare experience, it is that we, you know, and it's certainly like you said earlier, we, there were other paths. <laughs> we could yes. have had a path with Hillary that would have been different, but this did kind of rip off a scab and it yeah. forced us to look at some of the, um, the ugliness. I mean, just like when, when Barack Obama was elected, um, mm-hmm. that kind of ripped off the, I mean, I, I can't believe that while he was president, the Supreme court basically gutted the, uh, uh right, so, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and kind of declared that racism is
2: guy gets to be president and we have no more problems <laughs> no. yeah
1: exactly it's like what are you t- I, I mean it made it worse and it, it, it's not to say that racism was worse the, the amount of racism was always there it was just that people finally felt they could show it and express it i mean you oh, know yeah
2: it's, oh, worse. You know it's worse it's it, yeah it's all day long all day strong worse so, i you know driving around beverly hills california and you see bands with swastikas on them that's worse
0: yeah oh. and also also I'm gonna say this too I think the thing that changed in America between Barack Obama and um, Trump was this people who came from places and you know and moved out of you know Tennessee and moved to you know urban areas right or you know st- certain states and what have you people used to just go back home. Um, at Thanksgiving and if you had your your uncle your cousin Mm -hmm. your mama your grandpa was racist you know you you put up with it yeah that's the way that they are and that's how they think in that area Mm -hmm. but then people became aware of the reality of their family members actually do go out and vote Mm -hmm. they did get they brought they brought Trump upon us, and by not speaking out, mm-hmm. and by not challenging the people that you supposedly love back home, friends, family mm-hmm. members, that, that actually this is your responsibility too. Yeah. That you can't, you know, that we all, we,
2: you you gotta make some choices. I'm not talking to my brother now. I don't know if I'll, if I'll ever talk to him again. Um, because he, he support. and what's really weird about it is it was a discussion where he was saying how much he liked, um, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. And, but what he said was some really fucked up heterosexist garbage, you know, um, like, what I like about him is he doesn't shove his gayness in your face. What I like about him is, you know, he's proud of the right things, having a family and and working hard. And he's not all gay and all, like, you know, have parades and, and flaunting it. And, and I was just like, wow, that's not cool. No. Like, like, and, and so... I have to throw this in really quickly. He's not black. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, he's white, my brother. So, mm. uh, and so he... um you know, I was just like... And he was really, like, convinced that that was an okay point of view. And I was like, that's... Nobody has to ask for permission, for your permission to be who they are. Mm-hmm. Like, where the fuck do you get off? And he was like, well, this is why we... This is why people hate them, and this is why they get attacked. And I went, did you just justify hate crimes?
1: Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> like, and I was like, you know what? I don't talk to homophobic people, so I guess we're done and hung up. I haven't talked to him since. Wow. So, <laughs> like, that's... it. you know... The buck has to stop somewhere. Yeah, you know, and I think that we all—it's—and I guess I get—I hear people going, "Well, you know, this or that," but I'm like, you know what, dude? When it, it, things only happen because we let them happen. Mm-hmm. It's you know, Dr. King. It's like it's—it's it's not the Nazis screaming and spitting and yelling that's the problem. It's all of us who let them do it without yeah. anything back. Yeah, you know, and that's—and that's the thing that's changed a lot, and I think will continue to change. And. I'm glad about that. I know that there are better ways to get here, but I'm hoping that this here, that we now, I like these people being outed. Yeah.
0: Go ahead.
2: It's not a good experience for people, obviously, but go ahead and yell your little hateful bullshit (laughs) speech in the Target parking lot. Now we know who the fuck you are. (laughs) Like that's, you know what I mean? And now we can make sure to not ever give you any business, to not ever help you, you know? So, um... But I and I think that we've all become much more aware of the daily indignities mm-hmm. that people suffer, and yeah. that's that's huge. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have always been a big mouth, and I tried I I tried to stand up when I see an injustice. I've I've done that my whole life. My mother raised me to to be that way. I mean, I, I, and I, I, again, I'm sorry to my listeners who have heard this story a million times, but you know, my mom does not accept it. If, you know, we have some family members that use the N word and mm. my mom just says, no, you can't say that around me. That I, yeah. That is not, uh, that's offensive to me and no. And so as a little girl, I would see her saying that. And, and then it happened to me. And then I just echoed her. I said, no, you can't say that around me. And, and so, you know, like I had, I also had a girlfriend who was having a hard time um, she was going through a divorce. She had four kids and, you know, my mom had made a suggestion because she was religious and she said, you know, maybe she should go to her pastor. And I guess she went to her pastor and and the pastor wouldn't help. And I mean, you know, she's always giving the church money and she just needed a little help in this one particular hard time in her life. And her pastor's like, too bad for you. And I'm like, give me his number. And I called him and I like chewed him out for an hour and he couldn't, you know, I mean, I, I didn't use profanity or anything like that. And, and I didn't necessarily think I was going to get anywhere with him, but it just really felt good to um, let him know that he was being hypocritical and that, you know, here was this woman that spent all this money and, and you know, all her faith literally was in this church. And yeah. now they're just like, oh, well, too bad for you. And so I've always wanted to scream for people who, you know, I mean, I like it when people scream for me if I don't have a voice. So I if, if I can do that... <laughs> That's why I'm doing this podcast. That's why I scream on Twitter all all day long and love it. <laughs>
2: you know? Yeah, because that's the thing. It's, you know what, yeah, can, can we stand up for ourselves? Yeah, is it nice when we don't have to? It is. Yeah, I mean, it's great
1: when I see, I'm, I'm so happy to see anybody standing up for the Equal Rights Amendment, mainly because most of the time you just get a bunch of yahoos on Twitter explaining to you why we don't need it, and explaining, right. mansplaining why the 14th Amendment is enough when it isn't, and um, even liberals do that, so yeah. it's, it's great to see men just not pitying us and not saying, oh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that, just to stand up with Us and go. Let's time. Uh, You know, and I and I I have to say that since I've become a blogger, uh, started in 2012, I have really seen a change in the way men behave, especially liberal men online. More and more and more liberal men are getting it, and you know, of course, there's going to be people slow and, and, you know, it, it takes them a little while or they're older and they're used to, they're used to seeing things a certain way and it's more difficult to convince them otherwise. But so many men are like, I totally get it. And it, and, and age doesn't know. I mean, there's one of the guys who listens to this show, Ziggy blue. Oh my God, I love him. He is such a sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And he's like my, he's in his seventies, I believe. Um, and he's, you know, as woke as they get and he's for Warren and, um, he's just, he's a very, my mother is for Warren and she's, you know, 72 so obviously it's not just age, but it's just the idea. Some people are wrapped up into a certain way of seeing things and to get them to change their perspectives isn't always so easy. So when I do see men online standing up, whether it's, you know, against racism or against sexism, it, it makes me feel good because I do think that people like us who keep screaming out, they're listening and they're going, we get it. We get it.
2: Yeah. Yeah so yay for that
0: and and Um, and that's the most progressive men there's so many men yet still who are like huh (laughs) (laughs) what What do you mean
2: (laughs) what do you mean I just said I liked her blouse. (laughs) No one wants to see my penis. Why is that threatening? It just means I like you. (laughs) I'm so like over it. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, we still, of course, have a ways to go. But hey, we're one step at a time. And I do feel better about what happened last night. I'm just, you know, it was funny because as an ERA activist, um. I mean, I've been pushing for this for a long ass time, and when Virginia flipped, I reckon. I mean, I posted about in the morning and I said it's this. This has the potential to be a really huge day. I'm so used to losing on this fight that um, even though we ratified Nevada in 2017 and Illinois in 2018, I still feel like it's like it's so hard to fight this battle. And and I came to it late, you know. I mean, people have been fighting since the 70s, and I came into it in 2012. But it's like it was so huge that I didn't, I, I couldn't feel the feelings. Like I, I I understood that it meant that there's a clear path to the ERA, but I was just like, wow, good for Virginia. You know, I was like in a haze, like I could, and now today it's kind of hitting me. Like, I mean, we're, we still have to battle getting rid of that expired deadline thing. And it's not going to happen with this Congress. We need a blue Congress to do it. So vote in 2020. But, um, it's finally kind of hitting me like, oh, my God, eventually shit gets done. And sometimes it takes a lot longer. I mean, this amendment was written in 1923 and, you know, in, in the 70s, it went all the way to 35 states ratifying it, fell short of three because of that fucking bitch, Phyllis Schlafly, who basically <laughs> turned <laughs> yeah. the country off to it. And then Ronald Reagan came in and this whole wave of conservatism just like hit the country. And obvi- uh, oddly, though, and I was telling Bob this last night, it was so weird because just as Ronald Reagan, you know, with this huge red map, won, it seemed to me as a kid, um, I'm a Gen X kid growing up, and I'm seeing women who are um, you know, working on Wall Street and wearing their tennis shoes, uh, you know, to the train and 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 I'm seeing women make all kinds of strides. so it was interesting how. In some ways, we, we did go backwards, and we, we were unable to move forwards with the Equal Rights Amendment at that time, but at the same time, women were still advancing and and the message that I got, and I was one of those people who believed the ERA had been ratified um, the mm-hmm. message that I got was equal rights are 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 happening and they're gonna continue to happen. We're just we're just gonna see a progression of equality and it's it's not gonna be, you know, and, and here we were with Ronald Reagan as president. And and like now when I go back and I look at all these 1980s television shows, like right now we're watching Cheers, their clothes are so conservative. But yeah. you know, it's like every you're so covered up and it's all these especially for women, big boxy, so you don't see their figures. I mean at the time They were really, you know, hot and fresh. And, and I never thought of it in terms of being conservative clothing. I always thought it was like, you know, with the big shoulder pads and the, and, and the glossy, the, the whole like satin shirts and, and the bold colors. It seemed to me like, you know, we were not being like little prairie girls who were so conservative, but it's just fascinating to me how it's kind of like at the same time we had a regression but but then women were just like fuck it I'm still going to go I'm still going to make it. So yeah. it's like the ERA is going to get there and I don't know how long it's going to take but we will get there. And I really do feel like yesterday made made me feel a lot better. So yeah. I'm yeah. really just feeling good about that.
0: And I also think just on a very
2: small level like here we all are paying attention to state level politics in yeah. states where yeah, and that's a huge thing. Like that's people, win. people knowing who the speaker of the house is and who the majority leader in the senate is, and knowing that there's a whip or a, all that. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a level of civil engagement that we have never had in my lifetime. With people knowing, just knowing who their their own representatives are and who other re- the representatives are. That's that is huge.
1: Yeah, that's it a, is.
2: That, that's a huge education and something that I think will serve us. More and
1: more. Yes, at least for a while, and then we'll probably, you know, get used to having everything great, and then fuck it all up again. But maybe oh, we'll, yeah. we'll, maybe we'll all be dead when that happens. Stay vigilant. Stay vigilant. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. This is enough about politics. Tell me what is next uh, on your plate as far as projects go. Well, we're.
0: Looking- and hopefully uh, getting out on the
2: road at some point. Yeah, do some touring mm-hmm. um, of the podcast, possibly. You know, we're working a lot on our podcast, The Final Word, and any day of the week. So we want to do some touring with that. And, you know, we're writing
0: a book on friendship. And um, and a bunch of other, like, writing, producing stuff on the horizon.
1: Yeah. Well, but when most- you come out with your book, I want to read it.
0: Oh, okay please
1: thank you <laughs> well you yeah. guys are you guys are just such a joy i knew this was going to be a fun yeah. show it's not only fun but it was like informative it was a great conversation thank you so much for being on the show yeah,
2: thank you for, for having, having us, us so much
1: i adore you and then i'm just going to go and have some um uh uh no i can't remember what it is the salad dressing ah, ranch. ranch thank you why can i not oh, remember man, that it's man. only my favorite so i'm going to go have some ranch now have your have your medicine. Okay. All right, you guys. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Bye. Take care. Thank you
1: too. Oh my God! they are, oh. those women make me happy. They are so funny. They are so um, just God. They're great, aren't they? I think they're great. They they they. I remember when I first saw them on the Stephanie Miller, you know, sexy liberal comedy tour there was a whole bunch of people that would come out and, you know, everybody was funny, but Frangela was just like, they blew me away and they're so friendly and they're so nice. I love talking to them. And what I also love is that they just, you know, I mean, being a white woman, sometimes I feel nervous to approach, um, racist issues because I don't want to come off as ignorant I don't want to offend anybody if I get something wrong and what I feel like with them is that if I am going to get something wrong or if I'm going to say something that is either not considered appropriate or whatever it is because I'm not being politically correct that they're not going to hate me for it that they're just going to say hey Kimberly you know think of it this way which obviously didn't happen during this show but Uh, that's what I love about them, that they, I trust that they're going to be able to let me know what's up in a way that helps me to learn. And I had no idea, I had no idea that black women would walk into some kind of professional situation and be asked if they know their father. That makes me want to cry and that makes me angry because nobody should have to answer that stupid question that is so racist and so sexist and it, I, I mean, I didn't know so I want to say this to anybody who's continuing to listen. Um, please don't make, you know, like this guy who said, Kimberly, stop talking about white privilege. It's class privilege. No, it's white privilege. If you're a white person, don't explain what, what I mean, unless, unless you're going to take the side of people of color and understand that they have to deal with things that we don't even think about. That's when you can explain it. When, when you say, look, listen to, listen to people of color, whether they're black or Hispanic, because they're facing it every day. Just like with women, um, you know, we, we experience so much sexism that half the time we're not even aware it's sexism because we're just, we play by a different set of rules and we're used to it. We're just so used to it. And we don't even consider it sexism because if we thought about it, it would drive us insane. So, I mean, it's just, don't explain white privilege if you're white and you think that there's no white privilege. Just listen to other people and listen to their experiences and open your mind and say, oh, I didn't know that that happened. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make you wrong. It just just makes you understand that, you know, as a human being, there are certain people who just have more privilege than others, whether it's class privilege, because that is a real thing. You know, Felicity, what's her name? Felicity Huffman. Um, She's got white privilege and class privilege. So she's got both, you know, and and, and so it's not up to me to defend her and say, oh, but this, no, she took advantage of that. And we shouldn't. And we shouldn't scold each other you know, when, when, uh, we're defending people like, you know, if, if a man is defending a woman because she's been, you know, sexually harassed or whatever it is, don't scold the man who's defending her. Don't take up for the person who's harassing her. Just don't. We have to stop that shit. All right. So there's my lecture <laughs> and we're at about almost two hours now. So if you're still listening. Kudos to you, and thank you. And of course, you know, I want you to leave comments. Um, tell me what you thought of the show. Tell me what you think about the elections. I'm so excited about this. And don't forget, I do have an end another thing, uh, specifically about the Equal Rights Amendment and my journey. And you can find me on Twitter, at author Kimberly K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And you can go to Amazon.com, and you can check out my books. I did The Virgin Diaries, as I talked about on the show, which is just stories of men and women and how it felt to have sex for the first time. I also wrote Peyton's Choice, which is a story of teen abortion. And then I, I also did American Woman. And that book is basically a kind of combination of history of women's accomplishments, why it's important to vote, why it's important to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment, and then a little bit of my own experiences um, just as a woman, whether at, you know as an activist or just as a woman in the world. Um, And then the last book is um, Ain't No Sunshine, Men Reveal the Pain of Heartbreak, where my mom and I collaborated collaborated on that as well. And we interviewed men who experienced, whether it was like, you know, a breakup or a death or a a divorce, just how men deal with heartbreak. Because um, oftentimes people think men have an easier time with it, but I I actually didn't think they did have an easier time. And the stories that we got kind of proved me right. But it was just men talking, frankly, about what it was like to go through this experience. And so many of them said, you know, I didn't feel that I could talk about my feelings or emotions. I didn't, you know, and that's toxic masculinity right there. When men don't feel that they can share their sorrows or their heartbreaks because they have to look like big, tough men. And so you know, many of the men that shared their story just talked about how they didn't feel they could be honest about their grief. You know, the grief for the lost relationship that they, they either lost someone or they had love that was unrequited or whatever it was. So Kimberly Johnson on Amazon, and I also have a writing page, which is patreon.com slash Kimberly A. Johnson. Is it Kimberly A. Johnson or Kimberly Ann Johnson? One of them, whatever. (laughs) Thank you for listening. I hope you had as much fun as I did, and we'll see you next week.